talking about the one of the what's this coming about one of the voices of this this one it's another voice the evil side yeah whatever your name is say All right, and we are back on Evil Examined. Welcome. Welcome. It, folks? It's been a hell of a week, dude. I've been uh, psyched. Uh, as you know, Katie, I've been, you know, uh, like a fucking lighthouse this week, writing, uh, putting it's up the website. So Like a moth to a flame. Yeah. So our website just had its first birthday. Um, and, uh, it's official tissue. Yeah, it's We're up. official. Yo, it's, you're insane with it. The website looks amazing, man. Yeah. It's, it's top the notch. other it woman in our relationship. <laughs> and that voice you hear is that of Ronix uh, from the Breakdown Podcast. These are friends of ours, longtime, longtime friends. Uh, Hello, everyone. Yeah, so that's the Breakdown Podcast. Uh, if you want to hear commentary on like society, something maybe less dark, we kind of <laughs> yeah. do some... Yeah. You know, if you want Lift a little bit of, a little bit of uplift, look for it and on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, just type in the BR3, it'll come right up. The BR3. It's a very fun podcast. Right Definitely give it a listen. Yeah. It's motivating. And thank you Motiv- for joining us, Ronick. So today, Thanks uh, for having me. We're going to just quick overview. We got some odd news that we're going to discuss. Uh one of the cases is local, right, Gene? Yeah, uh it's fresh off the press. And then another one that's uh, you know, we kind of Always find a way to talk about animals on the show, I feel like. so. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> and then, what do you got for us, Katie? I'm going to do the Forbidden Five about Ouija board-related murders. Ooh. And yeah. for nice. our evil entry, we are going to be delving deep, deep, deep into the, uh, you know, one of the most disturbing mass shootings in the country's history, which was uh, the Aurora movie theater shooting. Most of our... Uh, we're going to be giving you some awesome details on this, really stuff that people don't talk about when they talk about this case. A lot of it's based off of um, A Dark Night in Aurora, which is William H. Reed, who was one of the psychiatrists that evaluated Holmes uh, for over 23 hours after the crimes. And he had access to hundreds of hours of videotape and over 75,000 pages of documentation. So. Wow. So you guys are in for some some interesting talk. Again, www.evilexamined.com. Be sure to check the site out. We've put up some articles, and we have all of our uh, podcast content up there available for you now, too. 
as well as exclusive articles as well. So there's yeah. reason to check it. Check out the uh, budding lunacy article. It's a good preface to this James Holmes story that we're going to talk to you guys about. And shit, I guess we should get started now with the odd news. Odd news. <laughs> Odd news. So, um, if you may, you may notice Katie is not here for the odd news because she is sick, but she will join us and deliver the Forbidden Five. She will muster a little bit of energy and courage to brave through that segment. But the rest of the segments, it's just going to be Mean Gene and uh, Ronix and myself. So. Yes. A.K.A. Rapazine. Yeah. Todo bon. So <laughs> go ahead and, and take it away, brother. Okay. Uh, so this week, um, I guess I'll start it off with a local, um, you know, report hot off the press. It's, it's basically about a uh, Providence man who was arrested for abducting and killing a woman, uh, Jassy uh, uh, Korea, in Boston last weekend. Now, was Korea from Boston? Do you know? Uh, she, I think she I was clubbing she was, there for sure. Though, she was right? clubbing, yeah, at uh, a venue in Boston, like, celebrating her birthday. Actually, that's so fucked up. Yeah, that is. She was what? Tw- was she twenty three, twenty four? She was like twenty three, I believe. And she was by herself. No, she was with, I guess, with a bunch of her friends celebrating, and they got separated. They separated. I'm not sure why they they would leave her. I don't know how intoxicated she was. Yo, or, or how do, intoxicated they were. Do girls they were. do that, man. Usually girls, Usually stick girls together, group together. They, yeah. That's how they, um, you know, ward off uh, predators. Creeps like us. Yeah. <laughs> no, th- there was one girl. She was lucky that she found me because she got separated from her girlfriends. And you and weren't a creep. That was the I best, was not a creep. That was the best rape of her life, right? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a hero that day. I saved her life. Wow. Did you? Did she, I did. Did she almost like, how do you die know? or something? or? She didn't almost die, man. I'm exaggerating. I'm, oh, okay. I'm taking a little more credit. Way to than blow your fucking horn. <laughs> but, uh, but if it wasn't, if it wasn't for me, you know, they, they could have died. They could have yeah. died. Yeah. But she wasn't in those danger. Freaks out there. I, I prevented. Yeah, because I mean, you could have killed them if you wanted to. Is that what you mean? Uh, <laughs> I think he means he's like the lesser of all the of all the evils out there. So. Right, what ladies. You if you ever get separated, hope you find a guy like myself. Look at listen to that sexy, smooth, smooth. voice. I mean, how can you not like diarrhea? It's like Bill Cosby or something right there, but uh, anyway, no, no, <laughs> back to the story. Uh, the man, Louis D. Coleman the third, uh, he's thirty-two years old and apparently holds a bachelor degrees in science as well as a master's degrees in experimental physics. Oh, so yeah. this was a smart dude, and he's got a oh. bachelor in cutting bitches up. It sounds like it's uh, always the smart ones. Apparently, yeah, he got this in uh, California State. I guess he was living over there for a while, and then he moved down to Providence, Rhode Island, where we are from. Yeah, well, not Providence, but we're from Rhode Island. Just because they're smart, they think they can get away with it. Like why? Yeah. Why? why? He wasn't have been. Yeah, he's he's like, book smart. I don't think he's street smart. because oh. because he got caught. Yeah, he got caught, and <laughs> there was a lot of evidence everywhere. Yeah, there's like videos of him, right? Wasn't yeah. that what it started with? They were looking for him on a video. So, I'll, yeah, I'll get to that right, right now. Um, just a little more insight on what type of guy this guy was. There was no, like, there wasn't any indicators that he was like a creepy dude, you know, from the people that knew him. But you know, uh, he also ca- uh, apparently created an app to help people with insomnia. 
So and and this was a phrase uh, from him from his social uh, media account that they they took out. Uh, he said, in regards to uh, the app that he created, dreaming of helping millions of people pushed him to use the uh, the knowledge obtained during his degree program to help with the insomnia, a problem that sometimes is life threatening to people. Oh, yeah. So what did he suffer from insomnia? Is that why he created the app? Uh, that's. That wasn't specified, but I guess I wonder he, if that was part of it. He had a special interest with insomnia. He said that he, well, he said that, um, you know, he had dreams of like creating this app or and helping people with insomnia. See, I think that was taken from. I, so either either he suffered from it or maybe somebody close to him, because usually when you have a passion like that, it's derived from something in your life. You know what I mean? It's not just it doesn't just come out of thin air. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like pursuing experimental physics, uh, there's a drive for like uh, answers uh, on the universe and all that stuff. I think yeah. he, he was passionate about the um, unveiling the secrets of the universe and all yeah. that. So, um, okay. But they found uh, they found him actually not in Providence, not in Rhode Island. They found him in Delaware. Uh, that's where he was. Um, he was charged on Friday, and uh, as a fugitive of justice. And he was extradited back to Rhode Island. Apparently, he got pulled over speeding. Speeding. What an idiot, right? What a fuck face. It's foolish. And he had the girl in the trunk. Yeah. They the found dead body. Him. Now, was she in two separate cases? I, th- I thought I heard something about him leaving his apartment with like two bags or something. That I'm not too sure of. Uh, there are... Um, he is being charged with uh, the kidnapping... The failure to report the dead body. I'm not sure why that would be a report. Why would he he oh. report her dead body? Okay, no. okay. Wait a minute, though. If he killed yeah. her. Well, maybe he didn't kill her, though. Maybe she OD'd. Maybe she OD'd. He freaked out, put the body in the trunk, didn't report the body, right? That is true. But didn't kill her. People don't See, always the, kidnap there's, when there's still, to There's still stuff in development. Mm-hmm. So if we find out more, we'll, we'll make sure to bring it up in... In a later episode, but he was also leading to what your question. He was also charged for mutilation of the dead body. So he was, you know, try I guess trying to cover it up or transport it and, and oh, like her di- up, yeah. like dismember her. Yeah. So I don't know if that was that was probably done at his apartment. Or, See, because there's a, a similar kind of case that was in the news recently too, where this rapper from the UK. Um, gave a double dose of some Molly or something to his girlfriend and she started ODing and instead it was at like a music festival and instead of helping her or going and getting like her to paramedics or getting help, he just filmed her OD and die and put it up on the fucking internet. No, he put it <laughs> So he got manslaughter today and uh he, the, the verdict just went out with him today actually. Good, he so deserves it. I was just, that's what was making me think of what you were saying when it was like not reporting a dead body. It's very possible. Yeah, right. That's uh, a good point. Like, that that uh, is an odd charge. To right. Bring that, it. I've never really heard of that charge right. personally. And I've. Because we're just going by appearances. It, it, you know, it's obviously suspicious that he was found with a dead body, but we won't know the, the whole story behind how it got there until he, he spills the beans, I guess. But, um,. Let's see. Uh, yeah, he was charged on Friday. Um, she was last seen in, in the Boston uh, nightclub on Sunday for her birthday celebration, uh, which 
led the police to uh, Coleman's 95 Chestnut Street apartment on Thursday, I guess of this week. Um, and, af- at, and that was after reviewing the club's surveillance video captured, which showed her leaving the club by herself with no friends and, and um, him following her and her going into his car. So I guess they met at the club and they left together, I guess, because she didn't have a ride. Her friends left her. Yeah, so that, I guess on her birthday, on her birthday they were right? both friends, up. man. She, yo, honestly, if I'm the, how can their friends live? They with must themselves? feel like yeah, complete right? shit at this point. Like, yeah, that's oh. fucking terrible. And this kid's an idiot. Like, hasn't he been watching the Jesse Smollett shit unveil? Doesn't he know everything's on camera? Right? Everything. Like, There's a camera you around every fucking, fucking corner. You get away with it oh, when, for you, real. when you. It, you it's got to be some random shit in the middle of nowhere with no cameras. You can't plan this right, shit. It's got to like, be like Nebraska or some shit. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> let's let's not give people ideas. In the woods. Let's, let's not talk about how it should be done here. <laughs> this isn't CSI. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you just look at what was in the news with the Jesse Smollett thing, pretty much every minute they were able to get of his walk home from Subway on video somehow. And, <laughs> and yeah, you're in Boston, bro. Yeah. That's a similar fucking environment to Chicago. Boston has mm-hmm. cameras everywhere. As smart as he was, it seems like he wasn't really all that bright when it came to common sense. Yeah, in the hood of Chicago, <laughs> two white guys running around in their pickup trucks screaming. <laughs> People yeah, they, they were smiling with action. Come on, this isn't fucking... They, they, uh, recognized, uh, <laughs> they recognized him from Empire, because I know a lot of uh, MAGA hat wearers that watch Empire, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true, ah. right? You were in that show. You totally ruined that fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> that was but, my favorite show. <laughs> but uh, um, the sad part is, you know, she left a two-year-old daughter. Um, and, and the family, her family was concerned when they realized, you know... Uh, for her birthday, she left the daughter with the grandma. So the grandma was um, with her daughter as, as the daughter was, um, um, as her, uh, her mom was celebrating with her friends. And they realized something was wrong when they tried calling her on Sunday to pick up her daughter. And she didn't respond to the, the phone calls or messages or anything like that. So that's when they knew something was up because she's always on top of that. Um, and she was... From what it seemed pretty responsible, and you know, they when they found the body, they wasn't sure who who it was until the brother uh, identified it, which was he was. Yeah, I can't picture that. That's yeah. Horrific. I know. I had read a yeah. quote that he confirmed it. I don't know if he didn't say too much. He was just like, yeah, yeah. He was pretty much. He was sobbing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, on the up. On the upside, and you know, it's not filling the void, you know, for the the daughter. But um, throughout very various different charities, uh, they were able to raise at least sixty uh, k um, for the daughter. Oh, um, can you plug the charities? Um, Do you know no. any of them? Is it no, a, is it a GoFundMe or probably? I'll, I'll look into that. But uh, yeah, we'll put the um, we'll put the uh, GoFundMe up on our Instagram and our Facebook. Yeah, so. It's a little sad story, but yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah, but that's awesome for everybody to come together and help out with the daughter. Yeah, it's very definitely. sad. Though. There's still some good people out there. There's monsters out there, but at least there's some good people that still care. Um, on the upside, a uh, more um, optimistic and uh, uplifting story. Oh, we have a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is apparently. Memory erasing implants that can help prevent drug relapses. 
So, uh, oh, snap. Oh, I guess there were studies dope. conducted with, uh, with rats and it worked for them. Think about the opioid epidemic, right? Yeah. There's that'd be a great solution instead of, uh, having, you know, legalizing it or something like that. You could, you could, uh, you could give a better alternative, you know? Yeah. Think how many lives this could change. Uh, if, if, um, I don't know that, that implication is very scary to me. Deleted memories, bro. That's. That's all we have. That's who we are. Memories is what makes us who we are. Yeah, that's true. No, it's that's like true. it's like th- this technology would have to be very refined. And, did you say implants? Yeah, that's what they're calling it. Memory. So, so can they implants. just fucking erase more later? It's implanted, right? Well, we'll so see. is it like a switch where they can just fucking? No, I don't think it's like that. Uh, they call it implants, but I guess it's it's more of a an injection. They're in, injecting. Uh, well, we'll get we'll get into it right now. Okay. Yeah, um, so you need to get into it because it's not making any sense. Ronnie's this, very this was very detailed. You know, this 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 is a very futuristic technology we're talking about here. So, uh, so Professor Mary uh, Terragrossa studies psychology of uh, drug addiction and relapses in the Pittsburgh School of Medicine, and uh, she and two of her colleagues um, set up a pav- Pavlovian experiment in which the group which a group of lab rats come into uh, association with a specific uh, audio-visual uh, cue and a rush of cocaine infusion. So mm. they're, they're, <laughs> they're making these uh, rats uh, addicted to cocaine for these studies. So, uh, and the way they do this is... It's like they, my cousin. No, <laughs> <laughs> they were rat bastards. Uh, they have a lever system where the rats go and press down the lever... And a pump will give the rat a small intravenous uh, dose of cocaine. So it's through injection. Yo, them rats be itching. So they're, I guess they're, they're, um, they're plugged up with these, um, these needles or whatever, but they won't get the actual dose unless they follow um, the procedure, which is pulling down the lever. So they, so they, they're training they learn the procedure very well. Obviously. Yeah, after a while. So as, as any addict would. like, Just, <laughs> just picture... Like your addicted buddy uh, in a room, and there's a little a little door in there. And whenever he opens up the little door, there's a pile of coke. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be very eager oh, to get to that door. Gonna very be very, often. very proficient in that task. He won't be able to do anything else but that one task. <laughs> He'll be a master. But uh, each time this will happen, a bright little light will uh, light up above the lever for up to like ten seconds. And while that's happening, there's also a ringing noise. So they have a different stimulus, uh, audio and visual. So they'll see okay. the light and they'll hear the noise when okay. this happens. So they're trying so to train, like, yeah, it's train like, the mind. It's almost like brainwashing in a way, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, Just like an addict, you know, they would, this visual cues and stuff that, that would like get that craving going and they'll, they'll be like going for that next uh, dose, I guess. Um, Fucking fiends. <laughs> I wouldn't know though. <laughs> But uh, Wait, I don't, I, I don't like cocaine. Like, I just I'm not I'm, or I'm not addicted to cocaine. I just really like how it smells. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after a while, the cravings were so strong that they, uh, the rats were actually continue uh, will continue to mash the lever down um, until there was no cocaine left. <laughs> and then we just stuck there, just mashing the lever continuously. A sad day. Yeah. Oh, my God. So eventually, they didn't Use. provide the cocaine anymore. They they were just uh, having the visual and audio cues, 
And that's torture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is for science, so it has to be, I guess it has to be done um, <laughs> to, for the betterment of humanity. God, that, that line has been used so many, <laughs> so times, many times to right? do so many fucked up By things. By dirty... It's for science. Let's just breed these apes with humans, you know? Like, you're, <laughs> you ever see that one on the, uh, the Dark Matter show? They used to have those crazy science experiments, and one of them was the Russians were trying to crossbreed gorillas and humans to, to make, make super, super soldiers. soldiers. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Oh, so it's like, yeah, in the name of science, you when know, you just off, fucking throw that on anything and... <laughs> Weren't they cutting off like animals' heads to per, to try to fi- find out a way for like internal life or something, preserve their heads and have them still work their brain? I think yeah, I, I'm sure they've tried it all. All kinds dude. of fucked up shit. And I, well, there was a weird experiment in a book called Elephants on Acid. Um, that's a very interesting book. It's all about strange experiments, and one of them was this dude that was trying to, like you said, I think preserve the head and he would just like kill like like 50 dogs a day you know like decapitate them and then just keep trying to fucking keep the heads alive and shit you know this was back in the day but he's no quitter no (laughs) what the hell is life without a body i don't know it's not um fulfilling probably (laughs) (laughs) but i guess the um so the way it will work is that they expose them to neural, uh, neural stimulation technique called optogenics, which is a way of uh, introducing light-sensitive proteins into the animal's brain via injection. So then after exposing them to that, they would then expose them to color beams of light to act, uh, effectively switch the cells on and off, which is pretty interesting. So these uh, light-sensitive proteins, uh, depending on what color light you're flashing on, on uh, the animals will turn off certain cravings or certain uh, things that they're meant to do, I guess. So, and... Um, huh. is, that they, the, is that the implant? Yes. Yeah, I guess the that's injection? the implant, which is uh, the cells. So they can turn it on or off on you at any time. Yes, like a light. So like, if you had a craving or an addiction, right, and they had this shit in you, right, they yeah. could they could just fucking be like, well, you're going to do this for me now, or I'm going to turn the craving on. I'm going to turn you to a crackhead. That could be fucking very dangerous. Yeah, blackmail. Yeah. You know? Is, isn't it kind of like hypnotism? Like people who want to quit cigarette, you get hypnotized to quit whatever bad habit. That's but true. then you don't know if they can any time make you unquit or make you do something else. You don't know. Well, but, but isn't Sleeper this agents. actually like biological though? This is not like... This is bi- well, it's biological. It's not just... The technique, yeah. The neural stimulation is obviously biological. That's what I'm saying. Um, so like, like, yeah. Hypnot- so it's next level it's shit. It's similar to hypnotism, but... But hypnotism, you have to fucking, like, be in front of the person. And, you know, there's only certain people that can be hypnotized. This, it's a, this could be anybody. Anybody. Right? Yeah, because there's a small Hypnotism is more subject, uh, trying to uh, reach the sub, uh, subconscious, I guess. This doesn't, get, doesn't really matter. It's just cells that are in your body, and they're going to react however they're going to react. Um, so they have already done uh, previous studies. Uh, that has seen success in stopping mice from having ep- uh, epileptic seizures and even making the mice thirsty on command. So oh they, they flash the lights and the, the mice will go drink some water. And guys, just it's to put it in perspective, like about 5 to 10% of the population is highly suscept- susceptible to hypnotic suggestion. That's a very small So that's, that's a 95 to... Um, 
uh, 90% increase with something like this that's biological. You know what I mean? Right, because this becomes more of a, a signal, a, a nervous type of thing yeah. to the nervous system. Exactly. It's, it's in your body. So that's fucking crazy. That is insane. So after turning off the... The after turning off the cells, um, they subjected them to the same auto visual cues that once made them jump in anticipation, now had them showing no interest whatsoever. So it was a success, a success. and the, the, the rats were actually acting like they'd never seen cocaine at all. That's wild, <laughs> wow. isn't that crazy? So, once you know, before they were like going crazy for the thing, and now they're like, eh, they don't know what the fuck it is. The power of suggestion. Yeah, so but this uh, is uh, obviously a more manufactured suggestion. Manufactured, but. and the exciting part, uh, of course, is the possibility that this technology could maybe one day uh, uh, be used to reduce the motivate uh, the cues motivating the cravings and relapse in humans as well. Yeah. Um, so potentially it could evolve to that point later on. The implication to be a is cure. Endless. Yeah, but in its current form, it can only be seen as a temporary treatment because it doesn't cure. The addiction, it just, it, it, it kind of stops the cravings. Mm-hmm. Once they take the, once they have the cocaine, it's right back to square one. It's like they've been addicted forever. So, um, which is what they tried on the, the mice. After they turned it off and introduced the cocaine again, the mice were like mashing that lever again. <laughs> like, <laughs> Can like, you imagine a guy going to a party? Do you want to do, you want to do a line? Yeah, what the fuck? I'm not. I don't have any issues. Yeah, I don't have... <laughs> I'm not addicted. <laughs> right, because you said it's a memory thing. Does it make you forget that you were ever addicted? Or do you still remember? Like, I'm. Yeah, do you I'm, remember I'm doing addic- it? Still? Yeah, do you remember still being addicted and know that you got the treatment? Hold on, let me ask the mice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terra Grossa states this technology is still very new and, of course, very futuristic. Um, so, if the treatment is possible in humans, it's still. Uh, it's still there. There's still questions, ethical questions that are, that are involved in it. Uh, for example, if if a flick of a switch can erase the memory of a drug relapse trigger, what else could it erase? Right. So, and that goes back to the question we just asked: Is there an answer to this, or is it too early in the study? It's, t- it's definitely too early. This is so no one knows if it actually erases the memory of you doing the coke. They just know it erases the craving. It seems to be erasing the craving, but we can't really tell with mice. You know, I th- humans yeah. are way more complex than mice, I feel like. Mm, I don't know. As far as... <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen a I mean, mice and men? Some sort of <laughs> <laughs> this like Lenny fucking pinching necks and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on sounds, uh, The majority. Right. I want a mouse. It's questionable. They're so cool. No, you don't. I mean, uh, the, yeah, of course. Well, you don't. <laughs> could good memories be cross, uh, caught in the crossfire? Could uh, entire people, places, experiences, experiences be uh, erased in a full-blown internal sunshine of the spotless mind kind of fashion? Yeah. Oh. Like, you never know. You don't want to... No, Jim Carrey them. just paints political cartoons now. He doesn't even do anything like that. Yeah, so maybe. Especially... <laughs> That's because like they fried his mind. And you mentioned with the mice... You mentioned with the mice, there was some kind of light or laser or something that they would point at the brains or wherever it is that they implanted it. Um, yeah, because that's the cell. The, the, the cells they implanted react to light. What if you go to like a rave party? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? You just <laughs> continuously turn that off and on. You're like, that's... I need cocaine. What? I need cocaine. <laughs> because there's a lot of light stimulation all around us all the time. That seems very ineffective. Yeah. yeah. 
Like those glow sticks and shit, you know? Those are cool. Yeah, man. You, you don't have even have to be high to enjoy those. Like, how like. many of those kids have you guys known that are like those, those fucking rave kids that are just, you know, they love glow in the dark shit. All tons. Colored dreadlocks and with the the bracelets covering their t- the entirety of their arms. Yeah. What was the deal with that? Is that still a thing? Yeah, that's still a thing. That's ravers. Yeah, mm-hmm. ravers are still a. Uh, I feel like it was more popular like in the two thousands, like the early two thousands though. Yeah, when ecstasy was first really booming. That's yeah, when it was really popular. That was a big ecstasy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I miss ecstasy, dude. You know. <laughs> Yeah, she was now, I've, nice I've never done ecstasy, man. That whole putting holes in your brain always scared me and shied me away from it. What? But, <laughs> but shrooms? You know, anybody got some shrooms? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting one. Yeah, I no, that's, like. yeah, that's that a good cool. story. We'll have to keep an eye on the, the progression of that and uh, maybe yeah. follow up on that down the road. Yeah, there's plenty I want to forget. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like almost all of my life. Yeah, <laughs> can we do that? Can I be a guinea pig? I think, actually, that's called a handgun you use to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, you just put it to your head. and what, can, can it be a reverse effect? Can they make you remember things you've forgotten? Um, I, oh, I would, that would be scary, too. <laughs> right? I don't know. Memory's a crazy thing. I'll it's keep a, my eye out on this one. Yeah, yeah. Let's definitely do Any a follow-up on that. Yeah. Let me know. Okay. Well, for, so... Because we are going into such a deep dive on the evil entry, we only selected two odd news stories to deliver today. Uh, But we did want to touch on one other topic uh, while we're here in the odd news segment, just because it's it's current, it's relevant, and it's fun, dude. It's fun. It's amazing. So, I like, Joe Rogan recently had Alex Jones back on his show again. And I love Joe Rogan, first of all. Like, I think, uh, you know, obviously he's the king of the podcast. Yeah, it's a great podcast. A, a lot of people wouldn't be doing it um, without his the influence that he's had on it. Um, Alex Jones, I've also always been a real big Alex Jones fan. I think the, the first time I remember hearing about him was, I don't know if my brother got a VHS tape that had, like, his... Uh, 9-11 conspiracies. Mm. This was back when it was like right after 9-11 and there was a VHS that was circulating about it. Uh, It was before I really was on the internet a lot, you know, like internet wasn't really booming around that time. So um, I just, I've always been a big Alex Jones fan in these last few years. He's kind of been more political um, and he obviously aligned himself with Trump and, you know, this Joe Rogan interview, though, brought it back to old school Alex Jones. Yeah, That's why I really liked it, because it was less about politics and stuff, and just they really went down the rabbit hole, dude. And you could tell they were fucking drunk. You know what I mean? (laughs) These guys had been friends for like 20-some-odd years. Yeah. But really the story is, a, a big part of that story is about censorship, because Jones was censored because he said at certain points a while ago, that he thought the Sandy Hook shit could have been fake. A false flag. Which a lot of people have said that. You know what I mean? That's been on a lot of different internet sites. That's not like something that's that controversial. But here's the thing. He said that a while ago. Nobody gave the shit. When he aligned himself with Trump, though, and I remember when Trump came on InfoWars, I was like, wow, this is fucking weird. Having somebody who might end up being president on InfoWars, I was like, that's different. And... um. 
So when he aligned himself with Trump, then all of a sudden, oh, let's hit him with the Sandy Hook shit. He's the reason that these victim parents, right, the parents of the kids are getting harassed by these schizoid fucking, you know, deranged conspiracy theorists online that are driving up to Connecticut and uh, fucking harassing all these people and saying that they're um, actors and shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. So they pin that on him and act like he was the one that... but if you leader. Right, and you hear all this stuff. So think about it. He got deplatformed and demonetized, right? Yep. YouTube, mm-hmm. Twitter, yep. everything. I think Twitter's the only one that hasn't. Yeah, he yet. got shunned big no, time. No, Twitter, Twitter took him off too. Really? Okay. Yeah, they, they were the last one too, but they oh, okay, took him okay. off. So, I mean, what do you guys think about that level of censorship and what, what Jill Rogan was saying on the show? Before we get into like what they talked about, because I want to talk about that just for a bit. Um, <laughs> like, uh, what do you guys think about Joe, Joe Rogan said there should be uh, retro, you know, uh, uh, re- what is it? Retribution, not retribution. Um, a way that you can make up for things where you fucked up. How do you say that? What's what is the word I'm missing? Here? Um, Help me out. Hmm. Yeah, retribution sounds good. What retribution sounds like revenge, though? <laughs> yeah, no, that's not the right word. Um, uh, Redemption. Redemption. There's got to be a road to redemption. What the fuck? You guys can't help me with that one. <laughs> God. All right. So a road. There's got to be a road to redemption, dude. Right. So just it's not like he fucking killed somebody, or he actually provoked those people and said go to them and harass them. No, he didn't do any of that, dude. Yeah. He just he just questioned an event, which he admittedly said it's, at that time. He wasn't even thinking right. You know what I mean? Like, there was so, like, you can imagine that guy's fucking life has been crazy, you know? And it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. It's his fucking opinion. Like, right. You either take it, take it for what it is, or if, it's, if you believe it's not true, then why should it affect you? It's, it's being u- utilized now because now uh, there's a trend where you dig back into someone's history and pull back some bullshit they said 20 years ago to use against them. Right. And why, why define one person with one moment in their life? I know. Like, oh, he's he's the the false flag guy who harassed his parents. That's him. Which now. he's never har- he's never harassed the parents, dude. Exactly. Or he's never instructed anyone to harass the parents. And, and the thing with him he is that he just became really high profile once he associated himself with Trump. He's yeah, he's a target. He put a target on himself yeah. for his alignment, his right. Political alignment. Which that again, that's another thing, right? Why why do we deem anyone who supports Trump uh, a racist? Right. That's a, that there's that thing where we just want to paint them as some racist animal just because that's who they picked where you where you want to actually there's a promotion going on in society now where they're trying to make it OK and say, hey, it's OK for you to fucking punch that guy in the face with the MAGA hat because he's wearing a MAGA hat. Yeah. He's he's evil already because he supports Trump. Yeah. And there's there's tons of stuff I don't agree with, and uh, as far as Trump, but but I, that doesn't give you that the doesn't right, give me a right to do right. that. Right? This is this no, is I politics. Like, it's not like Trump is. They're trying to compare Trump to Hitler. There's people that are <laughs> trying to compare Trump to Hitler, bro. Do you understand how fucking ridiculous that is? When you say the word Nazi, and compare it to to yeah. the president right now, Trump is yeah. many many things, but Hitler, no, that's just. Hitler fucking killed, like, millions (laughs) of fucking people, dude. You know, like, this is ridiculous. So Yeah, Trump is just an idiot. He's not a fucking... 
not yeah. a murderer. He's just someone yeah. that doesn't know right. how to he, keep his mouth he, shut. Well, he doesn't know how to... Like, some of his ideas are good. Some of his ideas are bad. And his articulation and how he delivers uh, his talking points is very bad a lot of times. You know, a lot of yeah, times it's not, it's he's just not the horrible. most graceful fucking person on the stage. That, that's what I'm saying. And, and uh, so going back to the show, right? Alex Jones aligned himself with Trump. So that's what started this downfall and this censorship. And... I'm, for one, am very glad that Rogan had him back on because a few weeks ago I was looking on InfoWars and Alex Jones was putting out hit pieces on Joe Rogan. Like he was pulling the big guns out like, fuck you. I'm done with you. And these guys have been friends for like 20 years. And when you hear them get together and they just talk about these times, you know, where they went around drinking and, you know. Yeah, the they, comedy tour. Yeah, and, and all this. You can tell Jones was really happy to be there. He yeah. Like, they were, like, he got to be himself again, you know. They were both friends, dude, for a long time. So for these fucking trolls online to try and come between that, you know. And Rogan was like, I was sick of hearing shit from people that were complaining to me for giving him a platform. And he said when he realized that, Alex Jones was putting out the hit pieces on his website on Rogan. He's like, man, I'm my biggest self-critic, you know? He's like, maybe I did something wrong, you know? He's, he's not the kind of person where you say some shit about him and he's like, oh, fuck me, fuck you. He's like, fuck me. Why are you Why? saying that? Yeah. Okay, let me, let me look inside, right? Right. See if I can be better. And then, lo and behold, they come together and they're both apologizing. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how... That's how you have a fucking conversation, dude. That's how... And if, if there wasn't so much animosity between left and right in these groups that people like to align themselves with, all these little different identity politics, mm-hmm. you know, like, if we just had people that had worked out their differences the way they did, we'd be in a lot better shape. But what, what do you guys think about yeah, it's just, how yeah. they worked out their differences? Yeah, I'm glad they did. They they were speaking about like how they called each other over the phone and you know squashed everything beforehand. And uh, I guess Rogan was like, like you said, found it ridiculous that people were coming at him for just having the 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 platform for for uh, Alex to even speak. And I and I I feel like Alex he he's actually like looking up older videos. He's actually right about a lot of stuff. It's just yeah. his personality uh, does him a dis- disservice some, sometimes because he's he's so he's so passionate and yeah. he speaks so. He's like, very entertaining. He, if you're looking at him like without like with the sound off, he looks like a crazed maniac. But the stuff he yeah. says is is a lot of it's valid. And it's sa- but it sounds crazy. It just right? sounds crazy. But it then does. you saw it during that but show. Sometimes the truth is they crazy. were they fact checked him on a bunch of shit during the show because he was just like go oh, fact check it and then some yeah. shit he didn't say that like there was one example where. He was saying that VR technology existed in the 60s and that his father talked to him about it. And then mm-hmm. nobody, you know, he didn't tell him to look it up, but Jamie looked up the patent on it and it was 1957. That actually so, blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's wild. are you fucking serious? <laughs> I believe it though. Yeah. Because the, the army is always ahead of uh, when it comes to stuff like that. I'm sure the technology came from the army, virtual reality. Oh, he was like a waterfall of information. That, oh, that, and dude. So and he, much. Co- and I'm Joe like, tries what? to slow him down, you know? Joe's like, <laughs> dude, you said like 
30 things we need to go yeah. back to. Like, oh, whoa, yeah, back in 1986. Yeah. Yeah. This happened. Blah, blah, it's blah. true. Well, when you're connected to this. Blah, blah. Yeah. And Joe's like trying to keep up with him. He's like, yo, try to pull this up. Try to right. yeah. he's, like, he's already on to the and next And Joe subject. is, you can see the expression in his face like, um, I'm lost. <laughs> but right. he, but he, he loves my fucking mind. it too, dude. He loves This guy's it. a wealth of information. He, he lived, yeah. I got so amped way. today when I started listening to it. I was literally, I listened to the whole podcast, just the audio. I didn't li- watch the video. But certain parts of it had me laughing so hard at my desk at work, I actually started crying, dude. That's I, was, I was laughing. I was like, people must think I'm a total fucking freak right now. <laughs> Especially when he did the uh, abortion rant. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. with uh, Eddie? Yeah, Eddie Bravo Eddie came was in. Fucking egging him did you on. see that, Ronnie? Is that the one where he started doing that that certain that certain yeah, accent? Yeah, that was funny. You have to watch the video though because you're missing a lot of it. Yeah, the video. Because yeah, you weird. see his his veins popping out, and you see him like boiling when when Eddie's like riling him up and shit. He's like, "You really think that that people would believe in that shit?" He's like, <laughs> "You're fucking pissing me off." I'm gonna off watch now. the video, but I enjoyed having the audio the only audio, perspective because yeah. it. It lets it leaves some to the imagination, imagination too. So, but yeah, no, <laughs> I was planning on watching the video. So, if you guys have not seen Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, that's probably one of the best podcasts I've heard all year. Um, and if you guys listen to our show, you love conspiracy. You love the shit that they were talking about was not Donald Trump, dude. You know, this was we're talking about Chimera, which is the fucking um, in China how they're infusing um, humans with animals, right? Oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then they went on to uh, 5G technology and how, and how it uh, mutates the, the body and, and fucks with your head. Yeah, and it can cell phones. might be used for mind control, mind control. all this different shit. And, no, and they, wow, I don't know about all of that. And they cited an article in the Scientific American, which is one of the most uh, respected journals in all the country, yeah. um, that, that fucking cosigns what he was saying. You know what I mean? Again, a source check. You have one of the most accredited sources in the United States also on the same page. So, yeah, the shit he's saying, the way he presents it, it sounds like a garbled mess of madness, but when you check it out, there's a lot of fact to it. And at the same time, when you know that much, when you know how evil uh, the, the, the government is and know that much information, you think you're, you're going to be okay with, with, like, everything you're going to be fucking paranoid about because you know the truth. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, you, know what was my, yeah. you know what I think was the part that disturbed me the most, though, that was my the favorite baby. part? No, I enjoyed the, the baby. The late, the late term abortions and the that was super disturbing. That, that was, was especially the voice he made. <laughs> yeah, was, but no, disturbing. no. The part that I want to say though is the DMT part when they were talking about the elves, people taking DMT together. Okay, and they're having the same hallucination, which means Whoa. it's not really a hallucination that they're in another dimension, another plane and of talking, existence. No. And they're talking to other beings. They're all seeing the same beings together. And no and, and this is like what? people have accounts like people have accounts of like taking DMT and seeing these elves these elves like um, creatures. Dude, Rogan did it and Ro- on the podcast. He says he talked he talked to one, but he says he doesn't know he can't confirm if it was his mind or not. His situation wasn't multiple people talking to it, I guess. But there's many other like he referenced Man Cow, who's another radio show host mm-hmm. that he was with forty people. And they were at the edge of these woods, and they all the el- the elves came out to the woods and shit, and they were all seeing and they were talking. And so he's Jones is saying that there's people, high level people in San Francisco, that are getting huge doses of this shit, 
and communicating with these beings, dude. Yeah, they, they in have another fucking dimension. They have Yo, even, I believe that. They probably have even stronger drugs that aren't are readily available that are are exclusive for the elite, and they train their bodies. They're, the, he was he was saying how they would take hundreds and hundreds of do- doses and become of, immune of DMT, eventually, almost become immune, and had to figure out another way to. But that that's how they're saying that uh, these big companies and these these uh, CEOs get all their information and, uh, for like. Uh, new technologies like phones and, and all that stuff. All these new technologies, mm-hmm. uh, they work with these these intro uh, intradimensional beings because they say that they don't have bodies. They're, they're, that's the only way you can communicate. Yeah, with them. they like don't have. A they just have form. consciousness. They're right. in a fourth plane of of, dimen- of another dimension. So they they give them this um, this insight on how to uh, uh, advance their technologies and um, kind of do their bidding. With, with humanity, how to control humanity in, in a certain way. Wow. That so that's what they're wow. saying. Leading that's why I'm saying. Yes. That's why I was texting you, Ronnie. I was like, yo, Ronnie, listen, yo. if you can, I know it's it's short notice. I but didn't see can, that one. I'm listen very to the whole shit, dude. One. And 5G is around the corner. That's that's what their main thing was, that 5G is like the next thing in, in like the mind control process and mutating the, the human mind and, and body. Though? Well, guess what? Guess what? Radio frequencies. If you want to know how, listen to our show next week. We're going to do a piece on 5G, dude. There's been too much talk about it recently. Yeah. I've read a bunch of headlines about it, but I haven't really delved into the research. Um, so we'll bring that 5G piece to you guys next week. And um, for sure, maybe, I don't know how deep we'll cover it, but at the very least, let's do an odd news story about it, I think. Yeah. And yeah. at least dedicate 15, 20 minutes to we it. We have to return to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to know there's more a lot. about this. We yeah. could talk. There could be a whole episode just us talking about all these conspiracies, but we'll 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 break it down as we got more more stuff. But you know what, though, we we have our own deep dive today, and that is going to be into the mind of madness of James Holmes, who was the murderer at the Aurora Theater in Colorado. Right. So we're going to be getting into that a little bit later in our show. But coming up next, we have our Forbidden Five segment, where. My sick fiance Katie will join us for a few moments and power through some disturbing Ouija board murders. What do you guys Ooh. think about that? Yo, I don't fuck with Ouija boards. Yeah, I don't fuck with it either, but I'm curious to hear these cases. I want to know uh, who got murdered. Well, <laughs> let's bring it to you right now. now. So I want to start off with a question. Have you guys ever used a Ouija board? And what's your strangest experience with one? I have personally have never used one ever since, you know, the exorcist and all those <laughs> movies started showing them. And it just kind of presented a different light to it. It became more about like, I don't want to get possessed. And it became more <laughs> like of a, of a danger thing. And it was no, no longer like, a, I didn't see it like as a spiritual thing anymore ever since I started seeing the movie, so I've, I've stayed away. Yeah, I feel like you, you've you always been more like, you've gone to church a bit in your day, yes. right? And you've had, you've had faith, you know? It's, you're not, like, fanatical about your faith, but, no. you're, but I think you look at that as, like, an evil thing, kind of, right? I do. I do look yeah. at it as an evil thing, more, instead of, like, more of a spiritual thing, that I think probably how it was meant to be, but well, then it turned into this evil thing. Well, I have one follow-up question for you, then. Uh. Are you ready to play? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> well, babe, you already know my answer. Uh, we played the Ouija board at the Lizzie Borden house mm-hmm. in the murder spot. So we've already talked about <laughs> the that The best one. place to do it, right? What about you, Gene? 
Um, no. Growing up, it's it was like it was treated like a, a real life danger. So like, we were told, um, you know, when you cross the street, look both ways, and also don't play the Ouija board. So, <laughs> yeah. it's the, it, it, we're uh, Span- I'm Spanish, so my family's super superstitious, super superstitious, super. Yeah. That's on super superstition. <laughs> Plus, but yeah, we don't have real life kind of experiences stuff. too that made you think like maybe I should. Well, yeah, the, well, yeah. Well, okay. Later on in life, yeah. here's here's the thing, right? Uh, you know what? Now that you brought this up, let's just t- talk this real quick because we had this same teacher in high school. I think uh, I know you had Mr. Claflin, right? Yep, yep. Did you have Mr. Claflin? No, but he, oh. uh, my friends had him. So the story with Mr. Claflin was is that. He, some friends of his that he was living with purchased a Ouija board. And when he's telling the story, he's like, this is not some fucking Milton Bradley Ouija board. And he would cuss and just, you know, he was off, he was off the rails. This guy, he was awesome. But so he was like, this wasn't your fucking like Milton Bradley shit. This was the one that had the notches carved out for your knees, made out of wood, hand carved. So you sit Indian style and balance it on each of your knees. And that's how you play it. You know what I mean? This is like a legit board. What? And supposedly, they jokingly asked the board, you know, he wasn't playing, but they asked the board when, you know, uh, how was he going to die? And the board spelled out fire, F-I-R-E. Oh, hell no. It wasn't F-Y-R-E, like the fire festival. Yo, shout out, Ja. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, it wasn't. Thank God. Uh, it would. I, I would so much rather die burning to death than be at that <laughs> fucking poor excuse for a show. But uh, um, so Claflin, and then I, I think they asked Claflin. it when, and and uh, it said like in December, like D E C. It spelled out, and so every time he'd tell this story before Christmas vacation, and he's like, so if you guys come back from Christmas vacation and I'm all fucking crispy, you know why. <laughs> Man, he needs to stop telling that story, man. I'm gonna... Well, he ain't telling it no more. He committed suicide on Halloween. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh. On that note. <laughs> yeah. So. I do remember. So, <laughs> my, <laughs> my experiences were more, I guess, suburban white girl growing up because I played with my friends when I was like 13. And we were like, oh, what's going to happen? Is someone close to us going to die? Who's it going to be? And it spelled out the word D I. And my mom started screaming. We were in my bedroom, my friend Danielle and I. My mom started screaming. She's like, oh, my God, Princess Diana got in a car accident. And it's like, that was weird. But it's like, we're not close to Princess Diana. Maybe secretly I'm a princess or something. You're my princess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Like, you can, it is a weird coincidence. But it's like, there's so many things that you could fit in to serve your viewpoint, I guess. Yeah. Still weird, though. Yeah. So one thing, I was researching the history of the Ouija board a little bit too before because I'm like, okay, where did this come from? You want to know. So it's been around for a really long time. They had something kind of like it back in the, I think it's, okay, I can't say a lot of words. It's spelled Q-I-N-G. I I think it's Qing Dynasty in China in the 1100s. That's why we got Chinese food is to celebrate this. Oh yeah, at the Queef Dynasty. That's right. <laughs> the queef. So it was actually like banned during, they used to play it and it used to be part of like their lessons and things. And they would have the planchette, you know, that thing that you move around on it that yeah. Dave Navarro has a tattoo of. 
Um, and they would have a pen in the middle. So the pen would actually like spell out the words instead of having a board where it would go over each letter. Really? Yeah. And so they would do that and it would be part of their regular lessons and to communicate with like their ancestors and stuff until eventually they banned it because they were communicating like with the dead and with evil spirits. So it was something that was accepted for a long time and still it started to turn evil and they stopped doing it. When you describe that, it reminded me of the time um, we visited the Church of Satan around hollow, a couple Halloweens ago, and they had their Ouija, Ouija board display up, and they had all different re- Ouija boards from all different eras. It was re- that was really cool. Yeah, and you could go and see all the different designs, and um, you know, I actually was- yeah, I think that the person that like curated that uh, has the most Ouija boards. Like it's a um, their own private collection that they travel around with too. So it's kind of creepy to so think about. Do you think he's like haunted or something or she? Whoever it's it a is? dude in probably. Yeah. Right. There's gotta, he's gotta have, that probably. would suck if you had all those boards, but didn't have, but one, like no stories. <laughs> Imagine. You're yeah. Like, there has to be a couple. He's like, I've confirmed yeah, this shit is fake. <laughs> yeah. right? right. That would suck. Cause you probably want it so bad to be true. Right. We won't bring up those truths on this show for you. <laughs> we don't want to spoil it. That's then, crazy, though. How, how did it become to be patented? So, because you have to disprove it. So it became more popular. Like People were playing anyways because they kept playing it um, in the Civil War era because a lot of people were dying and people wanted to talk to their families. And it wasn't seen as a negative thing here in America then. So in 1891 um, was actually when it became patented as talking boards. And there's a whole weird history with the families that made it, too. Like, there's some weird stuff going on, people dying in strange ways, you know, like a lot of kind of interesting history in there. So but. so back then, they used the Ouija board when they were grieving. Now they just, like, prescribe you Zoloft or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, how times have changed. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, William and Isaac Fold are the names Willie. of the of the brothers that kind of helped develop and bring the Ouija board to what it is today. And the word Ouija, they said that that's what the board spelled out to them. And that's why they decided to name it that. But other people think it's just like the French word for yes, we with the German word for yes, like ya put together. So it's like, (laughs) it could be that, but I don't know. So they created the thing and then they were probably one of the first persons to ever use it when they asked, what should they name it? Right, and that's what it came up with, Ouija. Well, Ouija kind of sounds fun. It sounds cool, yeah. right? So it's, it a commercial, it's commercially viable. It is dope, it. and I love the spelling when you look at it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. whoa, this is nuts. And it, it rhymes with squeegee. Yeah, right. and who doesn't love a squeegee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wee wee. <laughs> I love all of those. Um, so people have tried to debunk Ouija boards over time, and the way that uh, supposedly that they work... Um, if it's not actually spirits moving it, is called ideometry. And so that's your muscles' representations of your ideas. So it's kind of like basically your subconscious that's moving the mm. board. But are I'm you, like, are what? you touching it? Right? Are you touching it? <laughs> I'm not touching it. Are you touching it? Touch it. <laughs> Come here, touch, touch it. it. Come here, touch it. Just to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many crazy Ouija stories. It was really hard to settle on five, but I'm going to start with the one that I thought was the most insane. I'm so excited. That's what about I like. This. Yeah, That's I definitely want to hear these. Uh, also, we, you, we should tell them too, right? This was a. Uh, some of these are based from a, a cool book that we stumbled upon. Oh, yeah. At, um, also in Salem. In Salem, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
at a, a weird store. The hex something. Yeah, some hex something. I forget exactly what the name of it was, but it's called Ouija Gone Wild. So if you like guys want to check that wild. out. Is yeah. that real? Yeah. It's like Ouija boards if they were showing their tits. Oh, uh, shit. Essentially is what this book is. That's yeah. what the Ouija Go board on. always tells me to do. It just calls out show <laughs> I love you, Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is Carol Sue Elvaker. So picture this. February 11th, 2001, a 53-year-old lady in Oklahoma, Carol, starts playing Ouija board with her daughter, Tammy, and her two young granddaughters. They were like 10 and 15. So asleep in the room next to them is her son-in-law, Brian. So Carol thought that the board was sending her messages from God telling her to kill Brian. Oh, my God. So <laughs> she gets up Seems and grabs feasible. a knife from the kitchen and starts stabbing him in the chest with it, and he bled. He starts to like bleed to death. He doesn't fully die, but he starts to bleed to death. So all the girls freak out. Tammy hid the knife from her mom, and all the kids and the mom and Tammy get into a car together. And I'm like, what good can happen from that? Getting in the car with your mom who you just saw kill your husband? Where are you going? Yeah. What are you doing? So exactly. Probably need a fucking cigarette after that one. I know. And <laughs> Maybe you need to tie up your mom. <laughs> and the grandma was driving. Oh. So I'm oh, like, where's no. she going to take you? So her first stop was crashing full speed into a sign on the side of the freeway <laughs> trying to kill everyone in the car. I saw that happen. I happened to saw that. <laughs> what, did this, what kind of sign was it? It's probably like a Stop. Know, yield sign. Oh, okay. That sounds like speculation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she rammed the car into it, trying to kill everybody, but all she managed to do was break both of her ankles. And nice. then she gets out of the car. She tries to push the 15-year-old into oncoming traffic because this is on like a busy freeway, and the girl didn't get hit by any cars or anything. So she ran away with broken ankles just to make she sure She gets out of the car, yeah. What and the then this bitch is hardcore for real. <laughs> after after she's unsuccessful p- at pushing her 15 year old granddaughter into traffic, go play in traffic, kid. She tore off all of her clothes, jumped over the highway median, and ran off into the woods. Can you imagine <laughs> just seeing a strange 50 year old woman with broken ankles just running toward you? Naked. <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, naked. Oh running God, towards I, me. That's I a left little, that caveat out. <laughs> I was screaming like a little baby in the opposite direction. <laughs> now, why didn't they bring the, the bleeding dude to hospital? I think he died. Oh. Well, he did die. He was Okay, so he died at yeah. that point. Okay. You mean, are you talking and about them? Why didn't they bring? Yeah, they had the car. Yeah, but they're, they're clearly it's like she stabbed him. Why, why would she bring him to Leave the, her in the freaking house. Take the guy that's dying. Right. It seems <laughs> like her. it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, the... But wasn't the one that was driving the one who committed the right. murder? The murder, yeah. yeah. So, so why did the other people well, get in the car with her? That's what I. They yeah, said the grandma was there with them. So why didn't grandma take responsibility of the the rest of them? Well, she came out of grandma's pussy, so grandma's probably just as twisted as her. Oh. I would think it could run in the family. Well, that oh, that works. Okay, oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, are they? They yeah, are this family. Sounds like right? some hereditary yeah. shit. Yeah. This is in Wisconsin. The, the Ouija Oklahoma. was Ouija Oklahoma. was key. I have here. another one from Wisconsin later. <laughs> the Ouija was key here, though, right? She wasn't right. a psychotic. She thought murderer. God was speaking. To right. This came to be all of a sudden. They had yeah. a, a decent history, no violence, no nothing, and then all of a sudden, that one day, all of this right. breaks down. So eventually, <laughs> she got caught and she was placed in an insane asylum and no way. charged. Running naked with two broken ankles, she got caught. Crazy. <laughs> Event- I like how they say eventually. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was hard to find. I want to know about the person who first like tackled her when she's all naked with her two broken ankles. I oh, feel like God. that would be the that's the story I want to hear. And then Tammy, <laughs> she's a genetic freak. Tammy got one year in jail, so it seems like she had a little bit more involvement. But she instead of um, is Tammy the grandma? No, Tammy's the Tammy. the it's wife. Tammy. Carol is the grandma. Tammy is the mom slash wife. Oh, and, and it's hard because grandmas okay. are moms too. Yeah, it's hard to explain yeah. that. Carol Sue. And <laughs> that's nuts. And so she got a year in jail for child for neglecting her children by having them be in those situations. Apparently, instead of second degree murder, which she was charged with too. That oh shit, that's crazy. So so. What we learned from this first one is that God can also use the Ouija board too. Apparently, not, it's yeah. not he just works, evil spirits. He works. So, Ronnie, you may want to reconsider that. I don't know if you heard that woman spoke to God through the Ouija. I know, but I, I feel like that particular incident is looked at like, <laughs> oh, that person was just crazy. Oh, and that is like it wasn't the devil that possessed her. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to possession, oh. that's that's what freaks me out. That's why I stay away from it. Well, but she like that was the only thing that happened right that was the whole history she didn't have any other right. history of madness but ronnie like people there's cases where people get possessed by the holy spirit too so yeah. that could have been the holy, the holy spirit. spirit compelled them to <laughs> the power <laughs> of christ <laughs> compels you so it's kind of like isaiah uh, uh the binding of isaiah exactly oh that's perfect and yeah. his mom had a the fucking knife trying to yeah. kill him okay yeah. there's a lot of connections there <laughs> full circle so the second one, I actually watched some TV show about it. They had, the, like, it was not that great, but I enjoyed it. It's called True Nightmares. Season 2, Episode 3 has the story in it. If you want to find it, it's on Prime, but you've got to pay for it. Ooh, damn. Stupid. They get you every time. They just you know? tell us about it then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just listen to this instead. Yo, we're giving you that free Save content. Save your $2.99. Hell yeah, yo, and I can give you that free cable. <laughs> I haven't paid it for five years. <laughs> so... Clothilda, I don't know how you say it, it's a German name. Clothilda? Marchand <laughs> is our next victim of a Ouija board related murder. Oh, she's the victim? Yes. Damn. So in Buffalo, New York in the 1930s, she was married to a famous artist and sculptor named Henry Marchand. And she was found by her son beaten to death with a chloroform rag stuffed in her mouth. So it turned out that Henry's mistress, Lila, had been playing Ouija board with kind of like a sad old lady, uh, like an old lady widow in the neighborhood named Nancy. So this affair, Henry had been having an affair for a, a long time, and the mistress wanted him to herself, you know. So she starts talking to this lady who's a widow, and she couldn't read this widow and so she would play Ouija board with her and start telling her what the Ouija board said because the lady <laughs> couldn't read. And oh, so she would interpret these messages and say, oh, yeah, your dead husband, Charlie, wants you to kill this lady. Like, you have to do this. And this is how he's telling you to do it. That is like Michelle Carter shit, you know? Oh, like the girl in mass that was texting her boyfriend to kill himself and shit. Yeah, yep. But this is like an old school case of it with the Ouija board instead of text message. <laughs> instead of a phone. <laughs> right? I can't read this. What's it say? <laughs> Translator. So she had Nancy kill... Henry's wife, Clothilda, and they, Nancy was released after serving a year in jail. So these people are getting out of jail quickly. Just 
Well, that year? was that was the 30s too, right? That was in the 30s. Yeah, human life was worth a lot less back then. Oh shit. That is true. What, true. Life expectancy was 50 years old. Yeah, it was way less. You would think it would be worth more. But still, one year in 50 years is much different. <laughs> <laughs> You're so smart. Mm-hmm. That's why I love it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess they took a few classes on Khan Academy. <laughs> People just shifted their psychoticness into the Ouija board and said that it, it was what made them do it. Yeah, is it just like an excuse? Too? What if it could be just an excuse, right? Really wanted be, yeah. to kill him. You know, like what if the Ouija board was working the whole time, but whatever she was saying was just totally different? Like what if the Ouija board was telling her all kinds of crazy stuff and like really working and communicating with spirits, but she just told to tell chose to tell the lady that couldn't read other things. Yeah, like the guy the mm-hmm. her her dead husband was like, Tell her I love her and she, she And he's like, like, Oh kill fucking him. Fucking kill them. <laughs> 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 Or what about what about language with the Ouija board too? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you know? Like in Spanish. Yeah. Like, like, is that every time it doesn't make sense? Is it just talking like a French ghost or something? You know? <laughs> Maybe. That I was, was like, German, right? She I want to guarantee <laughs> Milton Bradley. You know what? What? What kind of fucking spirit does? What kind of language does my spirit speak? You know? <laughs> right. Because supposedly you're not supposed to be direct with who it is that you're trying to contact with the Ouija. You just have to try to contact whatever ghost or whatever spirits is around, you can be like, oh, I want to try to get in contact with my father that passed away. Most likely it won't work. You just have to say, is there any spirits that's here? And then <laughs> well, you, you, you can get, <laughs> you don't know what the fuck is in that house. But Ronnie, what about the people, what about the people that ask it questions about themselves? Like, that's just foolish. oh, like, will I make money? It's like, how would the fucking ghost even know that? You know what I mean? The ghost doesn't. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, yeah. There's you're, people that do that. You're though, just you know? welcoming yourself to be manipulated by the ghost. <laughs> by like you look at this sucker. You clearly have mental issues already, you know? Yeah. So. But mm. the Ouija so board itself is, like, is evil just the fact that it exists because people are using it as a device, as a reason to create murder. So I've always been wanting to kill this person and have them do these crazy things. Now I have this perfect device that I can say it made me do it. So it's you think it's an excuse in many cases. I I think what you were saying you you did touch base on the the subconsciousness. I think that is a a form of something's there that yeah. the subconscious. Like I, I feel like if you if you ask a person a question and like they don't know nothing about and and they answer it, they might answer fifty percent of the of the time correct in a line of questions. But then if you ask them another random 50 questions that they know nothing about, but this time they use the Ouija board to answer, they might get it more right because supposedly the way it works is, like you said, the subconscious kind of controls it. Sometimes it's things we know that we don't think we know, but we, we've read it somewhere, we've seen it somewhere, we've had dreams, but we're not always aware of it. I, yeah, I think it's akin to sometimes, like if you look at like survival instinct, right? You get put into a life and death situation. Suddenly you know how to stop bleeding or you know how to do things that, you know, you wouldn't before, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you figure out how to find water, you know, or just, it could be anything really when that survival instinct kicks in. That's interesting. You find out who you are, you know, but I also heard the the opposite. Like people in dire circumstances just do the stupidest things and just expedite their their (laughs) demise. I think you've been watching naked and afraid too much. (laughs) For real, man. Oh, yeah, I'm bleeding to death. Let me uh, 
<laughs> pull this out. Man, it's easy. You're bleeding. You just got to find the biggest rock you can find and put and a lot of head. pressure against the wound. It's or that, that's what well, I most people burn it. Most people will burn you wanna, it. You want to burn it? Yeah. To, what is that's, it that's uh, fucking sears the, the bleeding it area. Closes right? It closes it. seals yeah. it. Oh. Okay, I thought it was about clogging it, so it's like a natural stop. Do you guys want to test be, this yeah. out? I'll cut each one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Could see who, whose instinct uh, <laughs> reacts first. Sorry, I, I we went off topic big time there. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> big time. So, but that's ne- what we do. <laughs> the next one is Herbert Hurd. He's our next Herbie victim slash Ouija board murderer. Damn. Wait, he doubled up? You'll see. You'll Whoa. see. So in Wisconsin in 1935, so back back in the day again, uh, Herbert Hurd's wife, Nellie, noticed that her husband was kind of acting weird. So she asked the Ouija board if he was having an affair with their neighbor. And the Ouija board, what do you guys think it said? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yes. She's a slut. I believe that's... He loves drama. <laughs> yeah. So Nellie decided she had to punish him. So her and her daughter from a previous marriage, her daughter's name was Bertha, so maybe she was fueled from rage for being named Bertha, uh, <laughs> ganged up on the guy together. Oh, shit. And they chained him to a bed, beat him with wire whips, burnt his feet with hot pokers, oh, and would stab goodness. him with daggers. So they were torturing this guy. What? They moved sounds him, like a fetish thing. <laughs> right? Into the basement and left him there to starve for a few weeks and they would go down in there and check on him and they forced him to sign a confession note that he had been having an affair with a neighbor i still don't know if the affair really happened or not and he also signed in as part of the confession that he had been intending to give the neighbor fifteen thousand dollars which i'm like why does that matter what the fuck so After he signed this confession note, the girls started to take it a little bit easier on him, and he was actually able to escape. And so he killed Nellie in a fit of rage and revenge. So he was not a sucker for corn (laughs) rolls and manicured toes, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, you can convince, when you're starving someone for weeks, you convince them to say whatever the fuck you want. Doesn't mean they actually did it. Right. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> we were talking about that on the Lords of Chaos episode. Yeah, pretty much. Remember? Like, we were talking about the Reservoir Dogs thing where he's just beating him. Yeah. He's like, he'll fucking say whatever. Like, he just he'll just tell to you stop. whatever you want to hear eventually. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? But so, how did he kill them? I think he stabbed them, but I'm not sure. And he killed himself he only, too? No, he only killed his wife. He didn't kill her daughter. And he didn't kill himself. Oh, I see. You were saying he's a victim because of the tortures he endured, right? right? Yeah, but he also murdered somebody. But perhaps it was justified. Was it, though? I don't know, dude. If somebody tied me to a bed and did that, you know, I'd be pretty I wouldn't. You wouldn't be mad about it? I think that warrants murder, just about, because it seems like they were going to kill him. It's kind of like misery. Yeah, I mean, they were starving him for, he probably thought he was going to die. That's yeah. got to be fucked up just to be, just to be there for that long, you know. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was released, and all charges against him were dropped too. See, so that makes even sense. though he murdered, they released him. Right. So they Self didn't. Defense. Probably. So did he leave and come back, or he just killed them once he got free? He only killed the one. He only killed Nelly. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he only killed yeah. her mm-hmm. once he got free, or beforehand, and then he got yeah arrested. Exactly. Okay, so he's cool in my book. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't see I, nothing I would wrong. Say, with yeah, and and 
you can argue like you've been starved for that long. You're not going to be of the right mind. So, right. It's right. obvious that if you did not do those things to him, you know, this is a trigger based on your actions. Exactly, yeah. What I thought was weird was if he really was having an affair with the neighbor, like, wouldn't she notice that he hadn't been around or, like, hear screams from their house or something? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what true. you think. Or she didn't give a shit, maybe. I mean... So, yeah, I don't think he really was having an affair with the neighbor. But she probably just wanted to believe her own paranoid thoughts, you know? Yeah. It sounds like maybe she was, like, a schizophrenic or something, you know? Maybe. So this next one is more recent, and this one is with animals, so it's kind of sad. So Christmas Eve 2014, Paul and Margaret Carroll are the names. So they were playing Ouija board, and Paul started to believe that the family dog was getting possessed by an evil entity after they were playing this game, right? So... He drowned the dog named Molly in a bathtub afterwards to try to get rid of the evil spirits. And then he... Molly getting wet. Yep. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then he dismembered the dog and started stuffing the body parts down the drain. Damn. What was the dog doing to show that it was being possessed? Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Just the guy was Shit on the rug again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if... Um, his wife and daughter turned him in or what, but he actually got arrested for doing this. And while he was in jail, the wife and daughter decided they were going to play Ouija board again because that seems like a good idea for this family. And while they were playing, they were trying to communicate with the dog Molly's spirits. (laughs) Spirits. Right? The the dog don't know fucking English. This goes back (laughs) to the language thing. Right? We'll spell it out for you. And they were warned that they would all die. So... They burnt down the house that they were in. So now they're homeless? <laughs> and then later confessed that they burnt it down themselves. They were trying to blame it on the spirits burning it down. But then they're like, oh, we were actually just trying to get rid of the spirits and burn their house down. Wow. Were this they is, also trying to get the insurance? It's unfortunate they weren't inside. <laughs> this is a family that should be executed, it sounds like. Yeah, you know? seemed very uneducated. Very unimpressionable. <laughs> <laughs> right? The dog did it. Yeah. Poor dog. I know. The dog is definitely so Why down the drain? Like, one. down the drain? Why not bury it? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, like, maybe if you bury it, then it comes back even worse with worse spirits. You've seen Pet Cemetery. On, but it's man. stuck yeah. in your drain, though. <laughs> and then it clogs, and then you have, like, fucking rotten... You, you know all about a clog, don't you? <laughs> oh, man. Don't, don't talk to me about clogs, please. <laughs> Do you want to vent about that clog for a moment? <laughs> I, would, I would rather not. You don't want to just tell this... You don't have to use any names. It'd be a great story, though. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'd rather not. All right, guys, you're going to have to, you know, you're not going to get the shit clog story today, but maybe so, some other time. We'll replace it with the final of the Forbidden Five, Sweet. Stephen Young. So, a 35 year old insurance broker named Stephen Young killed a newlywed couple in 1993. He shot both of them, right? That's good. Killed them before they went through the pain of marriage and divorce and all that. Oh, that's smart. So, that's. Yeah. Consider themselves lucky. Saved a ton of alimony, too. So their family, <laughs> the poor newlywed couple's families, were relieved when Stephen was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences. And that was Double until up. a member of the jury revealed that the jury had used a Ouija board as part of their conviction. So oh, my God. God. Yeah. What the hell? So this this is this an epidemic. 
This is so dumb. I'm just picturing... I've been on a jury before. There are fucking... Okay, hold on. Let me go on a little rant right here real quick. This is why you people, right? Anybody that's listening, right? This is why you need to go and do your jury duty, okay? Because if you don't, fucking idiots like this will, okay? People that have nothing better to do or just find it interesting, they'll go. And I've been in the room with some of these people. I was in the room um, for a deliberation where this woman, um, I mean, we're talking about these two guys that their lives were literally on the line. Like, they'd be going to jail for years if we convicted them a long time. And she's wanting to hurry up the verdict on a Friday when there's tons of shit to talk about still, right? And just so we don't have to come back on Monday. She doesn't give a fuck about them, dude. And that's and there's juries... So when you guys complain about... I hear it all the time. For whatever reason, people complain about jury duty. I've never understood it either. I'm like, why are you complaining? Everyone complains about it, dude. You got to go. Work. You do not want to be the <laughs> one yeah. in that situation. And these dumbasses have your fate in their hands, dude. Yeah. You know? So go there. Make a difference. So, sorry. That's my rant. But. Do your civic duty. And do I, you I, Just so you know, I told that bitch to <laughs> shut the fuck up. Okay, I told her. I told well, I didn't tell her to shut the fuck up. I told her um, that she was being real selfish and she needed to calm down. Though is what I told her. Oh damn, that's basically the same thing. How does it work when you tell women to calm down that you don't know? She look a lot more like pretty much saying shut the fuck up. She looked a lot more like a man. She was balding as well. Oh shit. Um, Maybe transitioning. And I, I was, uh, I was kind of the oddball of the brigade. Anyway, I feel like there was nobody that was like. You were the only one that I was. Had. I was young at the time and rebellious, you know. But I took that very seriously, you know. And it was, it was an interesting experience. So you had morals. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Well, I wasn't gonna just fucking rush it just right. so we you, didn't have to come back another day. You don't want to bring an innocent man to jail. If you're like, listen, case. I don't want to go back to work on Monday, okay, lady? <laughs> <laughs> you're being selfish. Right. right? <laughs> oh, the golden girls are on later, so we gotta, <laughs> can't miss that shit. <laughs> Yeah, so those are my five, but that guy was actually granted a retrial because of it. So the family was like, this is absurd. They're making a mockery of this. So, Oh, and that's, yeah. And for a jury to do that, it just puts the family through another whole set of pain, having to listen to all these gruesome details again when they're just trying to get closure after something horrible happened. Yeah, precisely. So if, if the fact that one of them couldn't step up and 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 fucking settle everybody else down. You know what I mean? That's just that's horrible. Like somebody has to step up in that situation and say, "You can't. You obviously can't do this. This is ridiculous." Well, when the jury, they were to their defense, they were kind of younger kids drinking in a hotel. They put them up in a hotel overnight, so that had probably something to do with it. Mm. Well, you're not supposed to discuss the case during right. only they during very specific things. times. They were really like strict rules when you're on a jury. You're only supposed they tell you when you can discuss it. Mm-hmm. You can't be going off with one person and having a sidebar on the lunch. You know what I mean? And then you and this guy are are conspiring, um, and you have this thought in each of your heads now because you've discussed it. You know what I mean? And you're not supposed to use the internet or any of that other shit, too. Are you yeah. allowed to drink? Um, I don't think you're supposed to. It's no. a hungover jury instead of a hung jury. <laughs> ah. 
One day I came in though, and I had a, a T-shirt that said "Dead Girls Are Easy," and it showed like a dead girl on it. So I was promoting like a necrophilia joke, kind of. And um, I like guess you do. <laughs> I guess that my shirts had been going up the ass of the female uh, prosecutor for quite a bit because I've, I've been wearing some very questionable attire to this trial. <laughs> And um, and then the fucking bailiff dude, which he was a cool guy, he pulled me into the room and he's like, uh, so you got to flip the shirt inside out. The fucking prosecutor's like, uh, you know, she's offended by your shirt. Oh, shit. So I had to I had to flip it inside out that day. I thought it was kind of funny, though. <laughs> so that's so that's the. That's the five. That's the five. Any yeah. of you guys been on jury duty or? No, not I, yet. I, I would not love yet. to go, but I've never been selected. Yeah, it's an interesting experience. Uh, but I thought the the Forbidden Five shit was very interesting, dude. Ouija board murders. I know you're sick. Katie's so sick. I'm oh. really sick. Yeah, she's yeah. had the runny nose. She's got the cold. We've been having to make her tea. So she's not going to be on the last segment. Um, and, you know, we had to actually record this one first, so you won't hear her on the odd news before. She's but. a soldier, though, for coming out. And still doing the Ouija board uh, research for us. Oh, amazing. Thanks. Yeah. And, MVP. And, guys, we plan to post up our Forbidden Fives moving forward. If you haven't seen already, we've got the uh, Rhode Island Psychos up from Episode 1. Um, the House on Headley Ave, we covered Rhode Island Psychos, so that's on the site. This one will come up probably in a few weeks. We're going to put the ones up from the other episodes first, probably, and kind of do it in that chronological order. Yeah. So we're planning on putting up the odd news regularly uh, and also the Forbidden Five, and then we're going to put our own articles and stuff on there for you, um, get different people to contribute and write uh, that are from our group. So hopefully you guys like that, and yeah, I think it's time... For the evil entry. Entry. Eva. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have returned, and it is time. For our evil entry, as you know, we are going to be covering the Batman shooter in the Aurora Theater in Denver, Colorado, James Holmes. Um, A very disturbing, twisted incident that uh, I've researched this pretty extensively to try and provide you guys with some of the lesser known details um, and kind of his evolution into the crime. And then we're going to discuss the crime a bit. We're also going to discuss some of the conspiracy theories that were brought up towards the end of it. And uh, we'll discuss maybe shedding some light on those and doing some further research. Uh, Possibly we want to put up an article on the website um, when we can dedicate some, uh, some additional time to really digging into these to see if any of them do have any merit or if it's just, you know, some of, some of the stuff that, that we see just people memeing and uh, trying to throw disinformation out there. So, but I think uh, what I'd like to start before we start getting into the timeline, I just want to ask you guys, do you guys remember when you heard about this or how you heard about this? 
for me, it was just on the news. Um, I saw a little clip from um, ABC News, and it was just nobody really knew what was going on or what would had happened. Just that there was a mass shooting, and the details were still coming out. And then it was just a discussion with my friends about that. I didn't really pursue it that much after I heard about it. It was just like, whatever, another Columbine. What about you, Gene? Yeah, I think ar around that time, uh, it was just, there was so many news. Um, it, it, almost it almost seemed like it was every week there was a shooting here, a shooting there, a shooting here. So it's almost, I don't want to say des desensitized, but uh, it, it, at that point, it's like, okay, that's to be expected. Yeah. I, I want to say that's around that, the time when um, this happened. It was still like, I, I guess the the, I guess the environment was the thing that that piqued piqued my interest though, because it was a a theater, the Dark Knight. You know, people are going to freaking watch a movie. Like, it, we didn't hear so many. It was more school shootings that you hear or disgruntled person with a vendetta against other students or something. But this is like a random fucking. It, it was out of nowhere. I I actually missed the news about the shooting at the time when it happened. Um, I don't know. I guess this was when not, I wasn't paying attention to my phone as much, maybe. I didn't see anything about it. Um, maybe I was just out drinking. I don't know. But I know the next day that I went into work, the TV was on, and this was all they were playing. And the first thing I saw when I heard about this was Holmes being brought into the court with this, with the orange and red hair, and he just looked whacked out, dude. He looked like he was on drugs or or truth serum, I think, was the conspiracy about it that they had trying to give him yeah, some he was sort totally of truth serum or something. Out. But um, so that was that was my first introduction, and um, I'm not a huge superhero movie guy, really. But um, for whatever reason, other friends wanted to go to that movie, and it was after that it happened at the premiere. So I remember being in the theater watching that movie and just thinking about what it would be like if somebody walked in there and just started murdering people without any reservation. And that was chilling, just chilling. sitting there in the seat thinking about it. And there was an uneasiness, I feel like, um, while we were watching that film. And I, I tend to always think about that now when I'm in, even when I go into like a restaurant or something, I usually like to sit somewhere where my back's to the wall. I can see what's going on in the rest of the place, right? I've thought, I've thought about, you know, being involved in one of these things. And so whenever I go into somewhere, I'm always conscious of that. I'm always conscious of exits. I'm always conscious of routes. Um, and I think that that particular scenario when I went to that movie is part of what made that happen in me for that some paranoia. reason. paranoia. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is paranoia, I think. Yeah. Well, it's, well it's but it's, but it's, it's a good, it's a good it's paranoia. It's a good one, yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to think about. Uh, it's not like I'm sitting there worried every time I walk into a restaurant. No. But it's in the back of your head. Well, it's not, I don't even want to say it's in the back of my head. I'm just conscious that anything can happen at any time. And, and you plan your exit. And we're going to talk, a, exactly. Yeah, and you plan, like, you think about what you might do, you know? So, I was thinking about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, just being at work. I'm like, I'm in a fishbowl, basically. 
there's only one one entrance here. If someone wanted to to like fuck us up for some reason, it's so, we're, yeah. sc- we're screwed. There's nowhere to hide. Nothing I could do. This this sucks. <laughs> that helpless feeling, and that's yeah. probably what these these people felt like. It's 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 tough. It's and really scary thinking about. Imagine it. them like putting. They probably could never go to another theater, ever. Yeah. Most of these people, unless they get therapy or something, but. That's that's fucked up. That would definitely they probably don't even leave their house because, you know, this the shooting thing is like consistent almost. It's terrifying, dude, and and honestly, this is a terrifying tale that we're gonna go through today. Um, we're gonna really be starting with his youth and moving forward through there. You know, just we're gonna be basing a lot of our research off of William H. Reed's book, A Dark Night in Aurora, um, that I've been reading. Uh, It's a fantastic read. Um, I made sure on our Budding Lunacy article on the website, if you click on the title of the book, it'll link you right to Amazon where you can purchase. Um, So if you guys are interested in this topic, I strongly recommend the book. Uh, You you won't be able to put it down. Um, So let's get started, guys. Let's go back to James's childhood, which at this time... Um, he wasn't even really called James. They called him Jimmy. Hmm. Um, that was kind of the name that he went by with his with his family. So he had his father, who in some respects, I see a parallel with the father to Jeffrey Dahmer's father. So hmm. That's interesting. Like, they were very similar. Jeffrey Dahmer's father was um, had dark thoughts, evil thoughts in his head, but never acted on them. Um, you know, and he was, he was very similar to Jeff, but, and then Jeff just kind of did. And I'm not saying they never mentioned, um, his father having dark thoughts, but he was definitely awkward. He was definitely antisocial. Um, he was not the authoritarian of the house. His mother was, um, but his mother was, you know, his parents were good. There was nothing, there was nothing bad there. Nothing. Right. This not, was nothing that you can point to the parents. Absolutely not. And his sister's completely normal. His sister, you know what I mean? Uh, obviously, aside from fucking having to deal with this trauma. But um, so, yeah, he started, he started his childhood. He had teachers, neighbors, friends and family. Um, they would all like, you know, talk about him like he was just a sweet kid, like a good kid. Uh, just like anybody, you know, there, there was nothing suspicious. And... When he was growing up, I mean, he would do basketball and track. He was not an athlete by any means, but he was very consistent and still played sports. And, like, people looked at that admirably. You know what I mean? Like, I think there was one teacher that was quoted as saying something along the lines of, you know, this is is why I teach. It's because of kids like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, he appeared driven and motivated and was active. Yeah. So... I mean, that begs the question, of course, what went wrong, right? Right. So, but before we get to um, the traumatic event that I think they they seem to point back to a lot and that James in his interviews seems to point back to a lot, um, I want to take a moment to acknowledge something that happened in in this time frame when he was at this age, I think it was like one to 10 or something like that. No, I think he was 13 when he moved, which was the traumatic event. It was a move. But his dog died in that time frame um, while, before the move. And he said he 
went out back to a tree, like this tree, and climbed it, and he cried. And he was sharing that with uh, the psychiatrist that was interviewing him after the crimes. And he said that that was like a very personal thing. Nobody else knew about that. He never, he'd never told anyone that he cried when that, that dog died. Um, so I want to I wanna make that point, you know, like the dog passed away, loss of, loss of life, something he was close to, really bothered him at this point in his life, okay? So the incident that, that we would see is uh, the move to San Diego. So he also had a sister, and she was like a few years younger. She looked up to him, said he was like a, he was like a great big brother. He always looked out for her. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think there was like a three- or four-year gap. And you know, sometimes with kids like that, the big kid will just like be like, oh, I'm king shit, you know? Kind of bully him. Right. I mean, right. There's usually sibling rivalry. We've all experienced that, right? And it's yeah. like, and it's, or, or seen it at least, I feel like. And um, that wasn't the case, dude. He, he stood up for his sister. He went out of his way to include her. You know, they would have this big, they have big field in the back of the yard and they'd play with the neighbors, capture the flag and all this different stuff. So pretty normal. Flash forward to the year 2000, um, I think it was like the last two weeks of 1999 when they were set to move back to San Diego. Uh, James's mother, uh, her mother, which is James's grandmother, I guess, fell ill and she wanted to go back home and maybe spend some time with her mother before she passed away. Um, and I don't know, they just had some other opportunities there. The father had landed a job there okay. too. So not a big deal, right? I mean, I remember a, a lot of people will think of this as not a big deal, I guess, right? Did you guys ever have to have a move that impacted you in a way like where you didn't want to go? And I never really had long distance moves. It was always like the next street over, but the same town. What about Let's schools see, yeah. though? T think schools. of it from a school thing. Uh, school things. Uh, I think it's more, yeah, I, that's I, the social construct, you know? Yeah, I, I've gone to other schools. It didn't really impact me because uh, the towns were like really close by. So it's like I still got to see my friends and then make new friends. But mm -hmm. I, I can see where a move can feel like a loss because you're losing your friends or whoever, uh, any connections that you have prior to the move. Yeah, if you develop a strong connection or... Or just close. liking a town, yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like around his age, I actually had a similar thing. Around that age, I had to. I went from... Initially, I was in a Catholic school until fourth grade when I went and transferred to CF, right? And then in fifth grade, my, my parents had divorced around that time, I think, and I went to Smithfield for one year. So it was like within the course of th like two years, I was in three different schools. But however, even though I think as, as I got older, I would be a little more antisocial, at that time in my life, I was very social. Um, and I could easily make friends and not, you know, I, I don't feel like I had any problems with that, tra with those transitions. Right. I didn't either. It was so, very easy for me. I mean, all my friends I've known forever. I've lived in the same place for a long time. See, I'm more antisocial. So I, and I feel like if I would have lost my friends, uh, it might've obviously impacted me more because I had difficulties making friends to begin with. But since the move didn't really impact my communication with them, that's why, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he was antisocial at that point. He he wasn't, but he would become antisocial because of this move. So mm. so when he moved, his mom would 
um, go to the new neighborhood and talk to different kids and their moms to try and get them to hang out, you know, with James because he wasn't really motivated. He'd become very, very uh, antisocial, even within his own family. But he had the fear of moving again. So that's why he didn't want to become close with anyone for fear of losing them because he's just going to move again. I think it was more just because, you know, like he didn't want to, it, it, it was socially awkward for him to rebuild all these relationships, I guess. And maybe it just seemed like an exhausting task yeah, I can more than that. anything. And if you, you know it's what draining. I mean? There, like, I'm not the most social person uh, as far as, like, making new friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really... I'll I'll have a casual conversation, but I'm not just trying to strike up new friendships. If you notice, most of my friends, I've known them for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I guess I get some of that, you know, like, how you, how you could how you could be in that way. But it also, his mother was big into church. Um, the father, not so much, but he just kind of tagged along because, you know, that was mom's thing or whatever. Right. As many of us did. I feel like that yeah. was the same thing with my mom, you know? Of course. It was the same thing with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So James didn't really want to go to church, but they would bribe him with Taco Bell. So oh, shit, you can't resist that. Yeah. And I just <laughs> get that, you know, he's got such a, <laughs> if you look at James Holmes' strange face, like, you could just picture him doing his weird little smile when he learns that they'll get Taco Bell today. <laughs> Fucking creepy. But so this is when the trouble started with the visions. Okay. So let's talk about the visions. The visions. So what would happen is he'd be fine. He was an avid video game player, right? So during this time when he moved into this new area, he just fell into playing video games all the time or like doing schoolwork pretty much. And he started, it, it would be at the end of the day he, when he would lay down in bed and he was by himself, okay? Essentially, when nothing else was going on to distract him, he would begin to get visions of nuclear bombs going off in his head, just like, whoa. And he didn't know why, right? So just picture you're going to lay down to go to sleep. And an image of a massive explosion, a life-taking explosion, just appears forcefully in your head. And you have no control over it. And it goes, and it happens over and over and over. It would happen usually when he went to, to sleep. And then he'd have, like, visions of, like, nuclear winters and shit, you know? And, like, so, so, um, I think that, that that's pretty fucking disturbing. That is very disturbing. Whenever you can't control your own thoughts, you know? Yeah, that is that is scary. Like it, those thoughts are just manifesting into his mind, and he's. But don't he's you guys confused. get some random thoughts sometimes? They just appear for no no reason. I'm not but, saying, but not every bombs, night. But. Not like it was happening with him. Like every night, it, consistently, same, the, same consistently the same. I don't know that he happen. he didn't say it was every night, oh, okay. but he did say that so it, it was reoccurring. Certainly, he didn't really give a specification, but. It sounded like it was happening enough to where it was a concern. Hmm. Why? What kind? What kind of random thoughts do you do you get? <laughs> well, uh, well, not nuclear bombs, but let's go, Doctor Phil. Go ahead. Uh, I used to have this. Uh, well, thoughts and dream. Uh, thoughts and dreams are different. I had a recurring dream. This is not but, a dream. But you said that he would dream about nuclear fallout. And he, like, yeah, he would. He would lay down in his bed, completely awake, close his eyes, boom. Like he felt yeah, it was that would real. Freak me out. Sometimes I, I, 
Yeah, not to that extreme, but sometimes I'll get some weird thoughts randomly about just vivid images and, and stuff when I close my eyes. And he kept all these thoughts to himself? Did, did his parents know? Yeah, he, he never talked about these. Hmm. So, let, actually, you know what? So the thoughts would progress. Let's get, let's get into that a little more. So being socially awkward, um, he would start doing what he referred to as freezing. Okay? And what freezing was is he would just completely stop moving, right? As if nothing was going on. He wouldn't, like, if he felt socially awkward in a situation, like somebody asked him a question or made fun of him or something, he would just freeze, not say anything or do anything, not blink, nothing, and just stand there. Hmm. Like in front of them (laughs) until they left. Yeah, it says he didn't remember anything about the early freezing episodes because he couldn't think or feel when he froze. Nothing was going through his mind. He said it was like some kind of mental block. Hmm. And then he would go on to say that after he, once he had started freezing a few times, vision started appearing during these freezing episodes. And the first visions were seeing someone's head get sawed off. So a saw cutting through someone's neck and beheading them. And eventually the visions evolved into it was him that was holding the saw cutting someone's head off so it went from nuclear bombs freezing episodes seeing someone's head get sawed off and then it's actually revealed that it's him who's doing the sawing right and he's not under any medication no medication this time? no and he's not into like his. He wasn't obsessed with horror movies or, or things no. of that sort. And again, this isn't him dreaming. No. This is him just laying down. I know, in, but I'm trying to think like how. Well, this how is would... also the freezing though too. Some the of freezing. this is not this. So this is in. Sometimes when he feels socially awkward, right? So it's a conscious thing. He'll he'll feel awkward and then he he'll says initiate un- the freezing, or is it I a get, body response? The freezing's initiated. The visions are not. Oh. So. He, but he up. he ended up making some friends eventually, you know, kind of, kind of some geekier type of kids, and they like to play games together. Uh, contrary to popular belief, Holmes didn't play violent video games. Okay, like the media likes to paint and say, though, you know, I've heard him referred to as, you know, they use him in statistics about people who played video games and did mass murders. He played fucking StarCraft, dude. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, he didn't play first-person shooters. That's it's like, like sci- scientific chess. Yeah, he played, he played I mean, strategy That whole video game thing has been disproven many times, but it still comes up. It's like saying, yeah. oh, people, uh, these killers eat at McDonald's once in a while. Yeah, like, exactly. People, people need to find an outlet for things that they can't explain. Yeah, well, video games are an easy target. Cause yeah, it really is. And I, I thought one that was pretty interesting was that um, in the week leading up to the crime, um, he was playing like Diablo three like a hundred hours. Oh damn, son! That might that might have done it right there. No. <laughs> Diablo's like, a fun game. A hundred hours. You can easily That's, put that. Yeah. Well, it's a it's an my, addicting game. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, uh, Jose Acevedo, he used to play that. 
all of us used yeah, to play he, it for hundreds Jose of hours. Yeah, Jose definitely loved the album. that shit for He always used to so try to get me to play with him. Well, me and Katie were obsessed with it, too, Yeah, for a while. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's a good game. And like, it's not it doesn't. It's, it's like you're building a character in it, so you get obsessed with the upgrade systems. There's no end game in a game like that, so right. it's not like you beat the story... And that's it. It's like, and at that playing. point, he was like unemployed and shit. So what the fuck? <laughs> he's planning his murders and playing video games. That's you know <laughs> what I mean. That's basically what he was doing. Yeah. So, but not to get too far ahead of ourselves, let's flash back to when he moved to San Diego. Still, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to include that because you know it went with the video game piece. Um, but the guys that were in his group of friends didn't have girlfriends, and um, when girls would ask James out, he would tell them no. So he wasn't really interested in females, and Good man. it wasn't because necessarily they weren't, you know, um, interested in him. Some of them asked him out, but he was asked in an interview, you know, if he was gay, and, you know, he said, nah, I don't fly that way. Yeah. So that was his quote. <laughs> it's a great answer. Straight from the source. Yeah, so these, so these episodes that I described would, you know, be reoccurring throughout his childhood, but eventually he would graduate high school and he would be, he would start college in the fall of 2006. Ironically, he, he, he majored in neuroscience, you know, which is, uh, the sciences that in case you guys aren't familiar, you, you, sciences. You guys think that was intentional that, that he did that to try to study his own mind, why he has those thoughts. Yeah. I was going to say that maybe, maybe. Yeah. And for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's just the it's uh, deals with the structure or function of the nervous system and the brain, and it just it does seem ironic considering the issues that he had in his own mind. Maybe right? Mm-hmm. He never alluded to that though, because he never made like a uh, you know. And I feel like he probably would have said that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe it's written down somewhere in it. Subconscious, maybe. Right, could it could be subconscious? Like we were talking about that other thing earlier, right? The, the Ouija board. The Ouija board, yeah. Mm-hmm. So after graduating, uh, he would he would eventually graduate. He was, uh, you know, he never had a problem passing tests. He didn't really like need to study and shit for the most part. So he was usually pretty good with just going in there and taking them and passing. He was going to start looking for like a graduate school. Um, but he kind of lost his motivation and just went back to his parents' house, and he was basically just bumming around, playing video games all day, doing nothing, you know, like living the dream, it sounds like. Yeah. And then his parents were like, all right, dude, you got to fucking do something or you're out of here kind of thing, you know? And so he ended up uh, going and taking some low-level science-related jobs, and at one point, he ended up in a pill, mat, a pill manufacturing plant uh, working. And uh, he was described there as like a model worker. Like he, but he, again, very antisocial, kept to himself. Um, one co-worker was quoted as saying he thought he might be retarded. Um, and then others believe he may be um, autistic or have like Asperger's or something because they noticed him laughing alone by himself and he started getting the nickname called the giggler oh hell no and you want to hear a pretty no creepy story kill everybody i i when i worked overnights at home depot there was some some kid i think his name was rob or something i worked with another buddy of mine there overnights and we were driving together 
And Rob seemed like some fucking kind of freak, like some trashy rock kid, long hair. Um, he was pretty much a total fucking loser, this kid. And sometimes when you're stocking different shelves, like you'd go down an aisle and you'd see him and he'd be laughing to himself in the aisle alone. So when I read this, I was like, man, that reminds me of that. That fucking weirdo, you know? Have man, you ever, you guys ever see somebody laughing by themselves? They, yeah, I have. Yeah. My son talks to himself. Supposedly people who, who laughs at themselves or talk to themselves are highly intelligent people. Not this fucking kid. They, <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be the other side of the coin on that too. Are you saying it's 100%? Because this motherfucker, no. Hmm. This kid was a retarded stoner, you know? <laughs> So you, he's not antisocial, the, the guy you worked with, right? You would actually... Um, I think a lot of people were antisocial in that place because uh, we were all working nights. Everybody was miserable. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's just like... And, it, and we're doing like brutal labor work. Like it just wasn't a great environment, you know? With, with Holmes, how deep did the bullying go? There wasn't no bullying. There was no bullying. At this, at this particular job, though, he was approached by someone that was talking shit to him. He said nothing. He basically just did his freeze and just didn't say anything. And then some other dude came up and was like, yo, leave him alone. Like, and, and basically stood up for him and defended him. And then when management approached Holmes about it, he said, nothing happened. You, you think the, the freeze? Yeah, the freeze might be a way to kind of like control himself from really acting and doing what he wants it's to do. It's a safe to, space. For yeah, it's, it's a safe initiate space. Initiate barrier. And then nothing can hurt him. Yeah, it That's seemed dope. it seemed to work, I it, guess. But it's, it's probably a way to control anger instead of freaking out and getting angry. And Is it healthy? And doing so, it, it, it could be a, a soothing, a coping mechanism. It probably it probably worked for him. Yeah, I could totally see. Other, I don't think he's the first person to have done that. No. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I just want to yeah, shut right. it down when somebody asks me something that yeah, I just turn know. off everything, forget it. And then go back. They're like, yo, you are right. <laughs> yeah. down and yeah. back then come, They're like, yo, you are right, dog? Yeah, then, you, then you come out of it and like, they're like, damn, you scared me. And like the, the conversation is a completely different topic. <laughs> I think I did a freeze once when I was on shrooms for a couple hours. <laughs> Nigga, you've done many things you're on shrooms. One of them including digging up your ass. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you put them on blast. <laughs> yeah, you have to do that, huh? Blast that ass, yo. <laughs> yeah, but... um. I actually worked with a guy that was like, I don't know if there's a there's a um, a connection between anti-social people and uh, disturbing behavior like that or potential, you know, killing. But the guy uh, who who was working at my company, uh, he ended up killing. Uh, dri- <laughs> he ended up driving to a hospital where his mom was um, staying at because she was sick, and he ended up shooting her at the hospital. His mom? Yeah, so his mom. he just killed her when she was sick and dying anyway? She he was, she was dying, but I guess he, he wanted him to be the one that kills her. So he drove up to the hospital and shot her, and he was arrested shortly after. But he just walked out of there. He shot her like nothing, walked out of there. And then so later you, they you found talked him. to this guy? I never talked to him. But, you but he's part of a department right next to my the IT department where I work. Oh yeah, you we got don't, some good we don't guys, like talking some, about him. some good guys in there, I guess. Yeah, but they, <laughs> well, they described him as a very antisociable like guy. He never said a word to anyone else. Well, I think when you look at a lot of these mass murderers, that's certainly a trend. 
right? Yeah, for the, sure. The depression and psychotropic drugs, right? That's a trend. They all seem to be medicated. They all seem to obviously have mental issues. And they definitely seem antisocial. Like, it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But that's a fucked up story. So, man, so far as childhood or as teenage years doesn't seem very uneventful. There was definitely a lot of... Yeah, and he's... I mean, he, we're moving into past teenage years now, right? His 20s at this point. So, but here we go. Now, in early 2011, James applied to six more graduate schools with neuroscience programs. Many of them were impressed by his vast credentials on paper... However, his interview came across as nonchalant, awkward, not sociable, you know, mm-hmm. really, really kind of kind of creepy. Um, but so there were three schools that interviewed him. Uh, one was Iowa and then there was Illinois and then there was Colorado. So there's a kind of a fucking fate scenario right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Depending on which one ended up giving him the most money or the best opportunity. That's life's crazy like that, you know. That's fucking crazy shit when you think about the little decisions. So he could have ended up shooting somewhere else, or not shooting it at all. Maybe could have been an event when he went over there. Yep, that triggered him. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up another fate kind of scenario later that I really want to discuss with you guys. That's kind of similar to this, but okay. I feel I think it's even more interesting. But hmm. so Iowa said this guy's a slam dunk on paper, and you know what I mean. Um, but the interview is a different story. Comments noted bizarre, disconnected, and aloof. Global lack of effort. Um, and that, mm. was, that was something that... And, the, and one of the psychology professors there said, do not admit him under any circumstances. Wow. So it sounds like Iowa knew what was up. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> Iowa... For real, because anybody it. can write any bullshit on papers. Once I meet you and I talk to you face-to-face... He's face a genius face on paper, and, yeah. but... Anybody could be Freak a genius show in paper. person. But uh, some people can only communicate that way, like through, through words on, on paper. And a lot of these no. graduate That's programs true. use students to do interviews. So you might get interviewed by like multiple students, mm-hmm. right? And that, which was the case with Denver. I think there was like six different interviews or something uh, with Denver, six or seven. And one of them said that he believed that. Uh, based on his awkward kind of behavior, that they should put him as a fill-in if one of the other candidates they select couldn't, you know, didn't end up accepting. Then they would use him. Oh. But the other six, five or six, all liked him. So he was offered a $26,000 a year National Institutions of Health stipend, which in the long run, he was also offered from Illinois an offer, but the larger stipend offered by Denver was what made him go to Colorado. So it came down to dollars, as most of our lives often do, I guess, right? So true. So Holmes moved to his Aurora apartment April 28, 2011. And at this point, he started hanging out with another group of friends in graduate school, kind of a similar group. They all played video games, you know, drank a beer occasionally, went out to eat. Shit like that. You know, just normal stuff. These are kind of geeky, smarter people. So some of them are also like a little bit socially awkward too, you know? Yeah, birds of a feather. Um, Gargi 
which was it's the name of an Indian girl who was part of this group of friends, would end up being James's first girlfriend. So he would enter into a relationship with her and lose his virginity to her. Um, oh my God, that's big. That's yeah. very, very big. And you, you're right, this is huge, right? It's because huge. this is a very antisocial person. Um, he's rejected girls in the past, and he's never really made a concerted effort to be in a relationship, right? Yeah. So something's changed here. There was chemistry. I mean, she was probably, she had similar interests, probably. And I, there was a, talked about Valentine's Day, like he cooked a bunch of food for her, got her flowers, you know what I mean? Like, So like, she, the relationship was kind of breaking him out of the, the show a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. But I mean, I think through this time, he was still having his episodes, episodes and his darkness was still there. Um, and it, it would uh, continue to spiral more into madness because their relationship would turn into more of a friends with benefits kind of deal, uh, which is not what James wanted. He wanted to continue the relationship with her as they were before. So hmm. she said that she broke up with him because he didn't like to have intellectual conversations and told bad jokes and, quote, <laughs> tried to be cool but was socially awkward. So she just didn't see a future with James. And, um, but she liked the sex. She, yeah, she just wanted to keep boning, I guess. So hmm. um, Gargi would later say that she never felt close to James, said in an interview that, but James would say in an interview that he was glad he succumbed to falling in love. He got to know another person well and care for them. So that was like a it's big... True. Better to have fallen in love than never at all. Right. Better, what is it? Better to have loved and lost than, than, not, loved than not loved at all. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's true, you know? Like, you just want to experience that emotion. And, um, but that emotion can also destroy you. But the loss, though, you want to experience it. with a whole bunch of other mental stuff, mm. that loss what about ignorance can take you is over bliss? the edge. Right? If yeah, you, ignorance, ignorance is bliss, bliss too, right? You won't know what, what that pain is like either if you don't experience it. Exactly. And, and and he wasn't a guy that had a huge problem with being lonely. Like he kind of preferred. I I mean, he even moved into an apartment by himself specifically because he enjoyed being alone more than yeah. with people for most for the most part. Absolutely. Secretly, we all love our alone times. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So Gargi actually would be one that suggested that James seek help after some of their conversations, and James James agreed. So he would go and see uh, a psychiatrist, right? And this really occurred after uh, some rather disturbing text messages, right? So, I mean, I guess it depends on the context that you take them in, but, um, you know, you never know if somebody's, like, joking, but I think based on what he did, you'd probably want to lean more towards that he was being serious and some of these concepts that he discusses in these texts come up later in his manuscript, the journal that he left behind really? before the crime. So That's I'm going to read you guys some of this real quick. We got, so this is James. Well, what I feel like doing is so, is evil, so I can't do that. Gargi. What is so evil that you want to do? Kill people, of course. That is, that, that is why I live in the future. 
There is no way to do it and not get caught. But the only way justice can be served is by taking away your time or life. So, and then it said, like, that their next exchange, that's when Holmes would bring up the concept of human capital, okay? Which was like a philosophy, Mm -hmm. this delusion that he had that would... it would be later viewed as like his excuse to kill. So the concept of human capital is like, okay, every living person is worth one point. If I kill you, I get that point. If I kill you, I get that point. And I can acquire this human capital to elevate myself. Some no, bizarre shit. No, that doesn't make sense. You can maybe elevate society by doing that because there's less mouths to feed resources, but... This is not a movie, the one, like Jet Li, I fucking kill you, I take it, I become stronger. Like, what kind of bullshit is that? What is he, Thanos? Fucking twisted. Uh, Well, what he says is, he goes, human capital. Some people may make a million dollars, others a hundred thousand, but life is priceless. You take away human life, and your human capital is limitless. So then she goes, it depends on the perspective. What would you do with the human capital? Have a more meaningful life. Because if there is meaning to life, and if you take that away from other people, you have prevented their purpose. And then she would say, someone else will fulfill the purpose then. It doesn't help you. I must satisfy you, but that doesn't... I mean, it it may satisfy you, but that doesn't help you fulfill your purpose. And then he says... It still makes my life more meaningful, increasing my human capital by taking theirs. I don't understand the concept of human capital. I don't see, I don't see how it is useful. It's not being incorporated into you. You're just taking away a life. That seems to be more like destruction. And then James goes, I don't believe there's absolute good and evil. And she goes... If you want to kill people, why don't you kill me and Ben and the other people who are around you and have wronged you? He says, I would be caught and could not kill more people. I would also lose the rest of my life. That's why I won't kill until my life is nearly over. Your meaning of life doesn't address the meaning of death. Life came into being and ever since has been a cancer upon death. To which she responds, I don't understand the purpose of your view, but that could just be because I don't think the way that you do. And then he says, were we not dead before we were alive? I am not inherently evil. Gargi, my outlook on destroying life is plan B. I also found a purpose for good. And then she says, I know you are not inherently evil. What is your purpose for good? You sure you want to know? So that's a little glimpse into some of their text messages. Um, oh, these were texts. I thought these were face-to-face interactions. No, those were texts between him and him and then fen- friends with benefits. She Gargi. would have huge balls to say, "Why don't you kill me and, and the rest of them in person?" Well, to he w- someone saying that uh, they uh, don't value life. Right, the same way that everyone else does. And she never presented these texts to anyone. No. Hmm. She just How? told him that she should that he should talk to a psychiatrist. 
oh my God, all, every single one of my friends would know about that interaction or that text message. Have I you had. ever heard someone say they want to kill someone? No, I have never. I've, I might have heard someone say that about one particular person that wronged them in a certain way, but not like killing people just to right. kill them yeah, just for the, the fuck the of it. Capital. This whole capital thing is beyond me. Yeah, they, I want to kill this guy. It seems like a deep concept, you know. And it was right around this time that James started making online purchases. He first purchased a taser and a hunting knife on Amazon, right? So this was when he started thinking about doing this. And then shortly later, he would purchase the uh, the first Glock Model 22. And it, it, around this point when he bought that gun... He stopped studying for his preliminary examination, and instead he was too focused on what he now called his, quote, mission, right? So he was starting to evolve the plan in his head as to, you know, the slaughter of of a bunch of people and, and how he could, what was the best way that he could do it, you know? So on May 28th, he bought his second firearm, which was the Remington 87012... Uh, I'm just going to say Remington 8 gauge tactical shotgun. It was at a Bass Pro Shop. The big thing about this was these tactical ones held seven shells instead of the standard three to five. Um, So I don't know if that particular model might have helped kill one extra person maybe. Um, But during the purchase of these guns, Jame had been seeing two different psychiatrists at the same time in some cases. So it initially started with one psychiatrist who referred him uh, to another one. And that other psychiatrist brought in this other one, uh, and they kind of, like, did these dual sessions because she was concerned about, you know, his uh, his possible homicidal tendencies. It was Dr. Fenton and Dr. Feinstein uh, would be the ones that uh, would be talking to him through this period, right? So... Damn. His... So- wasn't that an indicator that if you need to get another one, another uh, psychiatrist involved, something's up? Like, what's the rule against that? If you if you have, you have a suspicion, I feel like that this guy's could snap one day. Well, I'm gonna get into that okay. in a little bit because that's that's something we want to discuss in more detail. But I want to give you guys a few more pieces before we get there um, because it asks a bigger question outside of this case about mental health really really so um and you'll see what i'm saying in a moment i'm just gonna go through a couple more talking points and yet we'll definitely address that but okay um so at this point his paranoia started growing too so at one point he noticed um when he came to the office the door was locked and and like during one of the it, it was just something as simple as like i think they were in with another patient, but he took it as they're afraid of me. They think I'm going to hurt them. That's why they locked the door when they knew I was coming, you know? Mm. And then there was like a bag on the floor in one of the sessions, probably just like had some personal effects in it of one of the psychiatrists. And he was very concerned about this bag and what might be in it. And, oh, this one, this one kind of was crazy to me. Um, I didn't even take a note on this, but it just came to me that, one of the sessions, one of the doctors was wearing an arm sling. And he started saying, I wonder if that's even real. You know, like, I don't <laughs> even think that's real. I think they're just trying to test my empathy, right? 
oh, see how oh. empathetic I am. And then he also started thinking he believed that there was a knife hidden inside the fucking arm sling so that they could control the session. Uh, some crazy shit, right? Some crazy so everything shit. became like a power struggle. Right. Yeah. He was looking at like a power struggle. And also, even even after the uh you know, right leading up to the crime, he's he still would think about uh these psychiatrists and he would end up mailing his journal to them the day before it all went down, or the day of, I think. We'll get into that. But hmm. so um, this is a yeah, and so like he started fearing that they might lock him up. And this is where I want to bring it back to your point. Um, and really a discussion about the mental health system real quick, because based on the current system, had doctors Fenton and Feinstein tried to commit Holmes, a judge probably would have just stopped the process anyway, because there was nothing. He was very cagey with his comments. Like he would say he had thoughts of hurting people and you know what I mean? But he would never specifically call out a specific person. Or give details. Or Yeah, right. He would never give details. It was just very vague stuff. And they would try and press him gently for details to see if he would say that. But because of all the shit in, like, you know, with mental health reform, where they were locking people up back in the day that really weren't crazy, you know? Yep, and, it's yep, like, remember that. and it's like a freedom, a freedom kind of thing, right? You shouldn't be able... And unfortunately... In my opinion, I don't think you should be able to be committed. Holmes raised a lot of red flags, though, man. But he didn't. But but what has he done up to this point that says he should have absolutely been committed? His actions, yeah, he hasn't done any action. It's all been verbally expressed. But you can't point to a particular threat either. He didn't make any threats. He just said, simply said, he had thoughts about it. Well, what would warrant uh, them getting another specialist to? Because she was concerned about um, she didn't think his, she him talking it. about um, thoughts that he was having, the homicidal thoughts. But while he was seeing the psychiatrist and all of that, he was on, on pills at that point, right? Um, I know he was on Zoloft, but I think that, I don't know if it was the whole time. I believe that they prescribed it to him at, at one point during the sessions. But yes, he was on Zoloft. Um, so it's, it's a tough one because, and Holmes tried to kind of demonize the psychiatrist too, by mailing them his journal. And in the journal, it kind of said some of these things like, you know, oh, you should have figured this out kind of thing. Mm, Kind of bragging about it. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, it was your fault type thing. Like I, I, I was failed by the mental health system, you know, kind of thing. Mm. But Really, if you look at everything and the standard and the letter of the law, they wouldn't have been able to have him committed anyway. So, well, because he was doing the due diligence of by taking the pills or going to the therapist and psychiatrist, he just simply didn't do anything that would warrant it. He would have to self commit, he would have to say, Yes, I'll go in. Well, uh, I, I just got to ask because uh, I'm referring to something he said before. Uh, what age was he when he was going to the psychiatrist and all that? Uh, this was like in college. In college? Yeah. This was way before the shooting took place? Yeah, I think he. they said he moved there in, let's see, 
Yeah, he moved into his apartment April 28th, 2011. And the shooting was July 20th, 2012. Oh, so, so a year before. So, mm-hmm. so he had been seeing psychiatrists throughout that year. For something he stated, he said um, he wouldn't conduct the, the human, uh, building uh, human capital until he was sure his life was at an end. Mm-hmm. I wonder w- at what point did he, he, he thought about this is it, this is that moment. Because he was fairly young. And you think yeah. when, when your life is coming to an end, you yeah. think you're an old person or, or either you're going to die from sickness or something like that. But, but but before he, we move on to that, though, I, I think he is kind of right with, with the psychiatrist because I've had, inst- like, it's happened to me where, you know, a friend went to go get a simple checkup at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, after the doctor spoke with him not very long, was able to come to the determination that this guy could use uh, help mentally. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but they needed simply just a family or a close friend or whatever it is that that person had as an emergency call to kind of give the okay to say, yes, I agree, it's okay for you guys to put this person in a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, why couldn't something like that have been done? Like, these psychiatrists could have done more to kind of get him committed from what, he's, what, what he was saying, like the stuff he's saying. Come on. Well, they, do, they did reach out to his mother, and have a discussion with her, which um, which she said that, you know, um, again, though, like he hasn't said anything to the psychiatrists that warrant a committal. Like, can you point to anything that he said to these psychiatrists that warrants a committal? Forget about what he said to the girl. That's irrelevant. Nobody knows about that. Nobody knows, Nobody about, knows about human capital. Mm. Okay. And parents are prone, prone to be a little biased. Uh, they're not gonna wanna accuse their kid of being psychotic, you know. In, in a parent's eye, usually the kid is but, but, doing no. But there's different no levels wrong. of mental illness. It's not always psychotic. You want to kill people. You're just not right there in your mind. You're not stable. You're not focused. Your mind is awry. You, well, in the in the defense se- of the psychiatrist, they did reach. They did ask James if they could contact his parents. Right, they had to get his permission, and if they could contact uh, some of his like friends and stuff, they asked if they could. Yeah. And he said no. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So he's like, no, I don't know. You can't oh, do that. So that, Okay, that makes sense then. And if that, you know, but but they would contact the mother later on, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why when we get there. But so now where we're going, though, we're getting to the point where James has ordered a pair of handcuffs online and some road stars, which if you're not familiar with road stars, those are like, they kind of look like jacks. They're small, little, jagged pieces of metal. So if you oh, got tires. in a car chase, you could throw them and pop the tires of the car behind you, oh, shit. potentially. And he also ordered the tear gas around this time, um, which was two canisters of tear gas. And remember, too, because we'll be discussing that a little later um, when we get towards the conspiracy portion. Uh, but next, after the tear gas, Holmes went to a local Grand Mariner sporting good and bought his third firearm, which was the Smith & Wesson MNP-15 rifle. Um, That's a powerful gun. Yeah, and he, would, well, and he would also later purchase and install a special low-sight vortex strike. It's like a red dot fire with night vision capability. Okay. Oh, for the dark movie theater. For the dark, yeah. That, that would be what we'd have to assume, right? And... It's, it says it's designed for close quarters combat in the dark. So 
he was meticulously planning this very, very down to the detail. Um, he just took his preliminary tests without studying at all. And he was just like, I'm going to let fate decide. It doesn't matter anyway. And he was thinking, I'm going to be dead or in jail soon pretty much anyway. So um, the results came back, and his professors reached out to him because uh, he failed. So he met with one of the professors, and they offered to let him retake the exam a few weeks later. Which, so, I mean, this is kind of a weird kid, you know, but the the professor kind of went above and beyond there to give him an opportunity, right? And James was emotionless when he said that, and then he just quit on the spot. And he walked away and shot him an email giving his resignation right after that. What do you guys think about that? Huh. That... That brings, he made his choice. He made yeah, yeah. You're saying mind. at that point he he he's already saying he's dead. His life is over. But we still don't know what, what has brought him to those feelings that the human cat. Uh, like I said, yeah. What what made him what made him think that his life? What was, was the over? catalyst like, for him deciding? Hey, this is it. This is this it. Is Probably all the planning the that he was time. doing, and and I think he wanted to fail, right? I think he wanted to fail because then that would push him in the other direction of doing this horrible crime. No, give no, him, no maybe give him an excuse, right? But that's the reason why he hasn't done it for so many years because he doesn't want to get caught. That's, that's his thing. I don't kill you right now because I would get caught. I don't want to get caught. That's been his mo- yeah. motto. So that's, why, why want to Until he's now? ready. That's going to evolve soon and this will make more sense. Okay. I just want to give you guys... I'm trying to give you guys a lot of detail. Yeah, yeah. Is it interesting? Are you, <laughs> it's are very, you I'm very intrigued. My it, mind is I feel like we're very immersed in this. Like we're right there mm-hmm. watching him fucking do this. It's very disturbing. But mm-hmm. um, So next, uh, uh, James would be back with the psychiatrist and I, I should make it clear too that I think they thought that he was like a schizoph... like might be like a schizophrenic. You know, that's that's kind of what they were pegging him as and thinking he was. But um, he saw him for the last time after he quit graduate school. He had they usually had about a 50 minute to an hour meeting and he just quit graduate after he quit graduate school. And he basically told them, you know, I'm all done with this, too. Um, I'm just going to take off. And, And 20 minutes in, he walked out. And they offered to keep seeing him for free, you know? They oh, said, wow. you don't have to go, you know what I mean? Like, you can still keep seeing us, you know, like, you don't have to. Uh, what do you guys think about that? So he quits graduate school, and then he follows it up by quitting the psychiatrists. <laughs> wow. And, and that raised no red flags to no one. Oh, it did. It did. That's a good question. But first, you know what? Before we get into the red flags, let me just give you some... Because because that's really the next topic. Let me give you some of the notes um, that were taken by Dr. Feinstein. So th- these are what she had as uh, bullet points after the final session. So these were concerning things that she saw. Quote, his longstanding fantasies of killing as many people as possible his caginess in discussing any details regarding methods, targets, or timing. Okay, so remember how we were talking? You need like a specific threat, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't discuss the method, the targets potentially, or the timing of the crime, right? He just fantasized about killing a lot of people. Another reason they couldn't lock him up. 
His refusal to give us permission to contact anyone who could give collateral info or speak on his behalf. The unclear timeline of his mental health status and past history. He had always been this odd and angry. I'm sorry. uh, He has always been this odd and angry. Or is this a new suggest uh, suggesting a psychotic break, substance related psychosis or mental illness? So they were asking themselves those questions and very, very concerned about the action that he had just taken. So, and he would talk here too, like, and, and that's, that's when she would call the mom and say, look, he just fucking quit therapy sessions and graduate school and all that. And the mom was like, you know, yeah, he's always had mental health issues, you know, ever since we moved, uh, he's had these mental health issues and, Going back to the death of the dog. The dog, yeah, that was a thing. Around this time, James received an email about there were two other dogs that he lived with for a long time and was close with in the house. And he had basically no reaction. Like, oh, that that sucks kind of thing in his email. Like, it was nothing near the trauma that he felt when that first dog died before the move. Hmm. So think about that, a double dose of dog death instead of just one, like the first one, and there's not even half the reaction. So well, just, just to give you an insight into his evolution, right? Maybe after that traumatic yeah, experience, you I, put up your, your barriers. Yeah, at that point, so he's done with... you don't get hurt with, again. Exactly. Like, oh, I don't like this feeling. Let me just become numb. Right? Maybe Let me just freeze, maybe, yeah, right? freeze. So, and remember how... He was talking about he like disassociated from like a lot of his friends. There was also another girl he was talking to at this time. Like he would flirt with her and do like sexual texts and stuff. And they were just like, you know, flirty. They didn't really want to be in a relationship, I guess. Um, But James said that he didn't want his friends or that other chick he was talking to to be associated with a murderer. So that's why he tried to like disassociate himself from them. So you think he cared about them? In a way, in a way, yeah, in a weird, in a weird way, yeah. But right? he, I mean, that, then, I guess he, so. then he rationalized why he wouldn't kill them too, and it wasn't because they were his friends; it was because he would get caught, right. which is also weird. So the it's a little incongru- incongruent in there. Yeah, well, but who knows if he was if he was being like funny or something with that? Like that's a dark. Some people have dark you sense of shoot. humor. Yeah. I'm sure if you read through my history of text messages, <laughs> you would see some fucked up things that if you just read four of them in a row. I, I've seen some of your fucked up text messages. <laughs> I, to, I've sent them to you. To <laughs> bitches, you know, to girls. Oh, my God. You were so vicious. Well, All right. Well, I'm, I'm happily engaged, so there's no need to talk about that. <laughs> um, so James's uh, notebook cover had the ultra conception look. On, uh, I'm sorry, the ultra conception symbol on the top of it. And if you guys aren't familiar with this symbol, what it is, it's like an eight infinity symbol, right? Laid over the number one, and it's uh, inside of a circle. So it's a really weird looking symbol. Um, I think I've seen that. It's on the cover of, yeah, we looked at oh, the yeah, picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, show me that one. Yeah, it sure kind of looks like a face. With the two eyes, yeah. Yeah. A face with a smile. So. Um, inside the journal, he had a dedication to Goober and Bobo, which is like his nicknames for his parents. 
and to Chrissy, which was his sister. So, which is strange because this is really a deranged journal that has all this madness contained in it, hmm. um, and all his thoughts about, you know, like uh, some of it's rambling, some of it's philosophical. So, um, but I guess moving up to July nineteenth is when uh, he would mail this journal of madness out. Which this this you can find in a PDF version online if you guys are curious and you want to read it. Um, we'll put the link up uh, either on the web, maybe on the website and the Facebook and all that. Try and get it to you guys just to make sure if you're curious at the ramblings of a madman. But he mailed this journal to Dr. Fenton just hours before the shooting. Um, And really, he goes into more detail on this concept of human capital within the notebook. Okay. So each living person has a value of one. That value goes to zero if he or she dies. And it also seems to suggest that the value of life may be infinity or negative infinity. So, and he, he writes about the value of a murderer on the page also, which ironically seems to be zero. So it's like, if you killed one person, then you would just be it almost negates it yeah and then when you get to that second person that's when you're really starting to collect the quote human capital um oh man this is yeah (laughs) so did he come up with this this whole theory philosophy or is something he yeah already pre-existed is that something he read about what no this is this is all his concept this is just started up one day he's like yeah "Hmm, yeah this I'm getting visions of uh, mathematical equation to to the meaning of life or whatever. I, well, I, f- I feel like in the movie Rampage, the guy that did all that shooting had like a similar method. Yeah, similar and I think thought. you can draw a lot of parallels to that Yui Bowl movie Rampage yeah. and well, uh, a crime that. like this. Yeah, which, um, and and going back to your question about the, the red flags, the yeah, the red flags, and also the killing like killing of the friends, like why wouldn't, you know, why, why didn't he want to do that and everything? So he would later say that he was constantly thinking, he, although he didn't consciously think of suicide, he said subconsciously he thought that if he'd murdered people, it would cure his depression and avoid him from committing suicide. Hmm. So by killing these people, that would be the only way that he could survive and give him value, value would, enough. Yeah, he would get this to have a purpose, this weird value, but it would also cure his depression, hmm. in in some fucked up, bizarre way. See, I would have thought like after um, going out with his first girlfriend, and, and well, not going out because they were just friends with benefit, and that wasn't what he wanted. Hmm. I, I felt maybe that would have been a trigger, but I guess he was smart enough to be like. No, they'll probably lead lead it to it'll probably lead to me. I wrote it, but Well Right. He he wasn't emotional, obviously. Like a lot of killers are emotional. Yeah, he was very very he was very cold. He had some emotions, but they were just it was like yeah, very dull. And self centered. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he was very towards the the breakup seemed like it had no impact on the decision that he made. Yeah. Yeah, like he was gonna do it anyway. But it definitely um, it, it contributed, I would say. But 
I, don't, I wouldn't say no impact, but the, it wasn't the sole, sole reason. motivator. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. But on June 13th, Holmes spent almost $1,200 on ammunition for his weapons, um, 10 extra 30-round magazines for the rifle, and a special high-capacity 100-round drum magazines How is and he a beam-shot so laser. The stipend? Uh, I think he was racking up on, like credit cards and shit. A lot of this was purchased with credit cards. That was another thing with the conspiracy theory where people were like, how did a fucking unemployed college student afford like $10,000? Cuz they offered him money, right? To to yeah. go to college so that and he maybe pr- he took it cuz I of think that. he just had like also his parents too. His parents would send him money. I think wow. his parents sent him like $5,000 at one point. What the fuck? Um so, you know, and oh, or maybe that's where the conspiracy comes in of other shooters maybe supplying the money. It could be, Maybe. yeah. That's that's part. I'm sure there's people that have suggested it, but my research leads me to believe that there was no outside funding. So I had heard that theory before, and it made sense. But if you look into it, I mean, it's not hard to get available credit, you know? Was like, he living with his parents at that point, or still in that one apartment, one-room apartment? Um, at he's, he still has to pay rent, I'm assuming. Yeah, he's, so living, he's living in the apartment. He had no job? Well, but he just quit. He had just he had just quit the remember after his preliminary examinations. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, technically he had no job, but when you frame it in that context, you make it sound like he hasn't had a fucking job in three months. He literally just quit it. So you he know had, what I mean? Yeah. Like, he and plus he didn't purchase everything all at once. This was a gradual. Like he would never one, have yeah. to pay another rent payment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just wouldn't happen. So I think that was people putting it in a certain context to fit their argument. Oh, okay. So in my opinion. I mean, does that make sense to you? Too? No, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's strategic. Like, all right, well, I got everything I need. I can quit. I can exactly. Do what I need to do. Doesn't and matter if, if I can't pay the rent because I'm not gonna <laughs> where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, right. My yeah. my apartment's filled with bombs anyway, which yeah. we'll get into in a moment. But <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. So, Spoilers. so then, um, the beam shot laser that he purchased, it was a green dot laser that would allow for low light situations. And it was similar to uh, in these ones he installed on his pistols, though. So he was fucking geared up to the to the fucking nines, dude, you know. Um, He's pretty well versed on guns, too. Well, he really wasn't at all. But he wanted to he wanted people to perceive him that way. That's and cool. it's funny that you say that not knowing as much about the case. You know what I mean? Because. That's exactly what he would have wanted. Mm. <laughs> that opinion you, you just said track. right now. Yeah, it and made <laughs> sense. Like I would never be able to like rig up his apartment um, the the way that he did. Well, bombs are. Well, also you. Oh, sorry, gun. He was smart, right? Though he 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 probably researched the whole bombs thing. But as far as, far as guns, you don't have to be an expert to buy guns and just pull the trigger. Well, also though, but no, you, you have to know how to. But use those a gun. pictures you saw, right? Yeah. Is that what made you make that inference? Would you say? Showing. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, and he took those pictures. And that's why he took them. He took them and left them in his phone. And he had bought some creepy spirit eye lenses that covered most of the eyeball. And it made it look like he had these black devilish eyes, right? And he fucking um, held a Glock in one and a bomb that looked like it's out of a fucking cartoon in the other. What a, what a giant wick. <laughs> Right. What a poser. Stupid cart. <laughs> well, his girlfriend was saying that that's why she didn't. She was like going, getting away from him because he was like trying to be cool. Yeah, he was trying to be cool. Just bad jokes and he's just fake. Just awkward. He's trying to be fake. Yeah. So, trying to fit in. So, but that exact 
So that exact uh, kind of jump to conclusion from, you know, and obviously you, you haven't studied this, you know what I mean? No, no, so no. it's good. I'm glad that you brought that view up because that it just shows the audience that's listening that that's exactly what he was trying to do is get people to make that conclusion yeah. that he was some sort of tough guy who was good with weapons. Now, he did go to the, to the um, Gun range. shooting range and practice a bit, and bought tons of ammunition. Um, but we'll go into a detail a little bit later that tells us why he wasn't so good with the weapons um, uh, because at if, one point. Yeah, if he was, there would have been more depth. Right. With the, I, that's one thing that's pretty obvious, right? And then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go into one other detail, too. But on June 28th, Holmes ordered another 2,500 rounds of forty caliber handgun ammunition and 2,500 rounds of rifle ammunition, and an additional 50 rounds of the 12-gauge uh, buckshot. He purchased advanced combat ballistic helmet uh, the following day. Okay. And so he, you can see he's just kind of buying shit. Then he does some more psychotic prepping. Plays some video games, buys some shit, does some more psychotic prep. Right? And he's writing in his journal this whole time, just fucking getting more and more crazy. Right? So... Next, the day after he bought that helmet, uh, he would take cell phone photos of the interior of the Century 16 cinema. Um, so he cased it, yeah. He went into the cinema and he started casing it. So on or slightly before July 1st is when Holmes dyed his hair that bright red, which kind of faded into the orange color. As it was captured on the Grand Mount, uh, Grander Mountain Sporting Goods security camera, when he purchased an additional red dot sight for the rifle. Okay, so they caught footage of that with the red hair mm. back then. Mm. The following day, he bought an urban assault vest. It was uh, called a Black Hawk, and this is like also a tactical folding knife, ballistic resistance pants and chaps as well as a neck protector and a Kevlar groin protector. Wow. So this is a lot like Rampage. Was that still just to kind of give the image that he's going for? He was expecting to have a shootout with cops, so he was expecting people at the theaters to possibly have guns and they can shoot back at him. Yeah, I think think there was multiple purposes to it. Yeah, Part of it was to look cool. Part of it was to protect himself. Part of it was in case he got into a shootout. He wanted wow. to cover all bases. He's that mm. kind of person. That's why he bought those freaking things to blow out tires in case there was a, a police chase. Wow. And I don't even think he knew exactly he just wanted how it would play out. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he could have had that police chase if he wanted. Mm-hmm. And there's a few more moments of fate that are coming up soon. I'm excited Ooh. to discuss those with you guys because yes. those are creepy. This is um, very interesting. So... Let's get into the next part here. After he purchased all that shit, this is when he fucking was playing a lot of video games and going crazy with Diablo. Um, And he changed his dating profile at this time. He was on Adult Friend Finder, and he was on Match.com. And he changed uh, his profile to say, quote, will you visit me in prison? (laughs) Then he bought another Glock. So now he's got the two handguns, the rifle... The knife, the handcuffs, the all shotgun. the fucking gear, the shotgun. Just overkill at this point. It's, it's crazy. Um, 
So shortly before, um, uh, shortly, I'm sorry, shortly after, oh no, shortly before he bought that other Glock, um, he started looking up bomb-making directions, asking message boards, what's your favorite bomb and how do you make it? You know, just like crazy questions like that. Um, and this was a pretty smart kid. So, um, and again, this is kind of when we talked about him having the spirit contacts, but um, this is, he, that was, when we talked about it before, that was like when he ordered it. It was around this time when he would actually take those creepy devilish photos that we looked at before we started the podcast where he's holding the Glock and the bomb. So in an interview, uh, he was asked, now this is an interview after, obviously, um, do you view yourself as like a James Bond? And then uh, he's like, yeah, a man of action. And then the psychiatrist is like, are there any similarities or differences between you and James Bond? And then he goes, my actions are real. His are an actor's portrayal. Mm. Um. So. So just more delusion there. and uh, Well, not delusion, but just coldness about <laughs> talking about it, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like a guy too torn up about it. For real. I was thinking the exact same thing. And I, f- okay, I found this extremely uh, fascinating. He contemplated being a serial bomber or also doing a biochemical attack. He wasn't patient enough to learn all the biochemical stuff, though, and do an attack of that nature. Um, And I forget why exactly he didn't go with the serial bomber. He also, dude, he thought about being a serial killer, too. But then he was like, there's a higher chance to get caught, and you can't kill as many people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a slow kill. But, dude, he went through all these different... Oh, and he even thought about doing it at an airport instead of a movie theater. But then he's like, that'll be associated with terrorism. He's like, this isn't terrorist shit. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, there is no meaning to this. You know what I mean? Like, he just had, and you can read this stuff in the journal. Like, oh, wow. this is the type of shit he was he's thinking about. He's very conflicted. Yeah. But he, it's not just like he chose, he settled on the movie theater after a while. And it, al- it aligned perfectly with his agenda. Well, you know why, though, too, is uh, a big reason was when he was younger, and I kind of grazed over this. We didn't really talk about, he went to a summer youth camp and was a counselor, and he looked after some kids, you know what I mean? And when he was asked about that situation, he was like, it was very, it was difficult. Like, it was very socially awkward for me to do it. But I enjoyed doing it, you know, and, like, I enjoyed, like, helping kids and shit. And I think overall it was a pretty good experience. Um, And that, my friend, is why he chose the movie theater on a PG-13 movie at midnight because he didn't think there would be any kids there. And there was. Mm. There was. And he ended up murdering a six-year-old and shooting a baby. So, um there was, but he didn't intend to kill children, and that was actually a, something that he asked about. He said, did I kill any kids? And they said, we don't know yet. Like, we don't know what the fuck's going on there uh, yet. He, he's a real Scarface. And, uh, yes, right? Yeah. That's weird, right? Yeah. So, I, and, I, and I think they kind of tie back to that, that situation with him being a camp counselor as to why maybe he took that path. 
Interesting. Doesn't make sense, but interesting. Yeah. I feel like nothing about this guy makes sense. Everything He's a is a huge is, ball of contradiction. Yeah, everything's a contradiction. Well, he would go more into meticulous planning by a more detailed casing now of the theater. Okay. Um, he checked out all the exits, all the different routes, um, calculated the visibility in areas and also the time that it would take for the cops to get there to the theater. He did all that, um, in great detail. Um, and again, this is a time when he was like reiterating how this could somehow alleviate his depression and prevent him from committing suicide. But, but he was meticulously planning this and he chose theater nine specifically because he liked that layout and where the exit door lined up and all that stuff. Yeah. And where he can park. And this is where we're going to get in just a second into the fate. Um, so it was kind of like a battle between, homicidal and suicidal drive. Although he said, he admits he never had thoughts of suicide, but he said he thought subconsciously he did. What a fucked up paradox that is. Like, figure that one out. But, so Holmes drew the the ultraception symbol, um, his self-made logo, on July 19th on the calendar in his bedroom. So that was the day, right? And he was planning for it. He bought multiple tickets online for The Dark Knight Rises, hoping to get one in Auditorium 9 at the Century 16 Theater. But they don't let you pick the auditorium. True. So he just bought a bunch, right? And again, that goes back to that whole fate thing. He wanted to be in Theater 9. But you can easily sneak into Theater 9. You just need a ticket to get into the theater. Then you can go to any freaking theater you want. That's that's what he would do. That's true, too. Because he would get a ticket to Theater 8 but he would go into Theater 9 regardless, just yeah. as you said. So, so over he the just wasted his money, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's it matter anyway? Money's, right. He said at this point, money's of little to no use for him. True. Except for so, buying guns. Right. But he's already stocked to the fucking nines, as we said, you know? So over the next few days, Holmes would travel around to various stores looking for different bomb-making materials he was unable to find ammonium nitrate that was required for his plan, but he sprinkled some um, like inadequate white calcium ammonium nitrate powder around the room anyway, just to scare off first responders who might see it. So he couldn't find... He was looking up and researching online all these different ways to make bombs, and you could use like household stuff that you could find at fucking Walmart and different products. It's just people don't usually think of these products in that respect. Because they're not maniacs. But, you know, the internet can tell you how to build a bomb. He doesn't want to get caught, but he's planning to get caught. Like, why booby trap your apartment? Because you think you're going to get found out and they're going to go to your apartment. I guess that's just he wanted to have more capital. More kills. kills He knew that once he gets caught, if he gets caught, there's there's, this opportunity to get even more kills once the cops go in there to investigate, which they will. And they set off these bombs. And then they'll add to his, his uh, capital. Yeah, he already conceded. It was like a 99% chance he would be killed or, or, caught. or yeah. caught. Okay. So he wasn't, he wasn't trying not to get caught. If he was going to do that, he probably would have went the serial killer route and killed slowly. But that wouldn't satisfy what he was trying to do. It wouldn't let him gain enough capital quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, 
where, whereas it, it was too slow and less yeah, risky. Yeah, he's greedy. Right? So <laughs> the booby traps in his apartment took about two to three days to construct, all of which he stayed in the apartment during. So it smelled of, like, gasoline and all these fucking bombs that he'd built were in his living room and he was sleeping in there. You, they, he, they asked him, how'd you feel sleeping around stuff? He was basically like, yeah. Nothing. My life is over. I don't give a damn. And he, he sprayed like uh, aerosol, like a heavy aerosol, so that the other apartments wouldn't be suspicious. Yeah. Um, and then he played loud music in the apartment before leaving for the movie theater in hopes that the neighbors would get annoyed and call the police or the superintendent um, would come in himself and hit the tripwires. So <laughs> he put a CD in. That was 25 minutes blank. So this was around the era when you still burn CDs and stuff, I feel like. Yeah. So he put the first 25 minutes blank and then after, like, and left. And then after yeah. 25 minutes, boom, it's hitting mad loud. Right. I mean, he would be far enough away. He would be far enough. Exactly. The second trigger he created was, uh, was a bit more creative. It was a boom box with a remote control toy tank that he left outside in the parking lot near a dumpster. So he played loud music again on the boombox, and he was hoping to attract attention and that someone would see the toy and try to operate the remote controller. But the remote controller was not linked to the toy. It was linked to a detonator in the apartment, and they would have unknowingly uh, blown it up. So, But some dude ended up stealing the boombox, <laughs> and nobody touched the toy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> The whole, intent, the, the whole intent behind it was so that the explosion would be a diversion for what he was planning on at the movie theater. Kind of like Anders Breivik, right? Yeah. Um, he, he set off a bomb in Oslo and then took a boat to an island and gunned down like 70-some-odd people. Yeah. So he probably had plans to go to other auditoriums, not just Theater 9, but Theater A. That way, the explosion would delay the cop to get there to give him time to move to other theaters. He didn't. Maybe. He never said he planned to go to another theater, but I don't think that was out of the realm of possibility. You know what I mean? He mm. just buying time, yeah, so he could get away, get away, maybe yeah. get away. Or, but maybe you're right. Maybe it was to. I think it was definitely to increase the kill count to give him more time to kill. You know, yeah. at the very least, yeah, get that extra window. Um, because so, yeah, if he had more time, they, those those casuals, not um, those people who were injured, would have been dead because he would go. And then make sure everybody is dead, not just mm-hmm. injured. True. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's definitely a time a time buyer for him. So, real quick, I just want to give you guys a quick description of uh, all the fucking all the fucking gear. So he spread it out there and took a picture of it, a picture which we took a look at of all the gear. I think it was on his bed. Um, but he had the tactical 12-gauge shotgun, the M&P 15 military carbine with short-range night vision scope, Glock 22 40 caliber handgun with laser sight, bullet-resistant pants and jacket, Kevlar helmet, military-grade gas mask and filter canister, tactical vest, and at least 11 magazines of full ammunition for the rifle and handgun, ample shotgun shells, and he was carrying belt, uh, belt and bag, 
and bullet-resistant neck, groin, and elbow protectors. Um, it said he didn't bother to photograph a fourth gun, which he would end up leaving in the car. Two knives, his handcuffs, that was for disabling the exit doors at the back of the auditorium. Two tear gas canister grenades, again, two. That's a key number in one of the conspiracies. Uh, road stars for disabling police cars in case they might chase him. A small first aid kit and his iPod, which he would blast, which he would blast techno music while he was committing this crime. Which is terrifying to think that you know you're not you can't hear what's going on while you're doing this. Hmm. Fucking weird. So what do you think, guys? That's a um, that's quite a arsenal, quite a cash. It really is, and uh, he didn't have all with him with him on his possession right? when when he did the crime. Some of it was in the car. Some of it. It was, was all there, but oh yeah, not all on him. Not yeah, all on him. yeah. I was I was picturing him walking around with all that, and it seems kind of clumsy. All the guns, <laughs> though. He was walking around with all the guns. Yeah, That's really? the biggest stuff. So and the mad, rifle, clips. The shotgun. mad clips. Wow. So, there, but it, there was a fourth gun in the car. So, so here we go. We're getting into it now. You guys ready? Yeah, yeah. man. Um, the pinnacle. This is when he played the CD, like we said, for 25 minutes. But he left when he hit play, of course. He left the shit outside with the toy car and the boombox. Um, he parked his car around the back of the auditorium. He said the only thing he was thinking of on the way was, like, don't get pulled over. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, he parked it near eg- near the uh, Auditorium 9 exit and walked into the building not wearing any of the tactical gear or having any weapons initially. He got a ticket for the auditor- for Auditorium 8. As stated prior, right, we said he ended up with a ticket to 8. Um, obviously, he wanted to go into Auditorium 9. So by his plan, it was almost like fate. He was trying to keep him out of the auditorium. You know, like that's, that's another thing I just looked at. Like he wanted to get in nine and like, it's just a weird thing, you know, like, right. And in auditorium, that's a popular movie at that time. Everybody wanted to see it. And you would think there would be no seats available in auditorium nine. Like, where did he sit? Did he stand? But I think he went in early. You know how a lot of people come in late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, he did. He would sit. So it says, let's see here, my next notes. Holmes walked up the front of the theater and pretended to receive a phone call and then left the interior exit, propping the door open. Um, uh, other witnesses noticed this. Do we know how long into the movie? It was very early into the movie. Okay. So the, I believe like the previews had finished up. And this is when he walked out. No to alarms the, either. To the car. Yeah, which was weird because we were talking about how, you know, when we were young and stupid, right, we'd hit those doors during a movie and, you know, you'd, you'd let, try and get your friend to sneak in or something, right? Right. And fucking, they know they're, they're, they're flagged. And yeah, this, and, and some of them have silent alarms too. Like yeah, it, it I think it was off. a silent alarm. Yeah. Usually those are emergency exits, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're supposed to... Well, no. After the movie, after the movie's up, you can go out them. Okay, then it's a lot of people. It's leave different them. than what I'm picturing because I. But I during the movies, they have like a silent, a silent alarm because. You know what I'm saying? Because of shit like that. Unless it wasn't an alarm, maybe it was video that people saw, and like maybe maybe they can see people coming in, 
right? And that's when they come and get you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, it, if it's not an alarm and it's video, that would make more sense, actually. And I believe there was a camera over there. Um, someone wasn't doing their job. So... But, but while, if, while you're in the theater sitting looking at the movie, it's very clear that someone... Like, you can see someone took the exit. Like, it's, it shines a light into the theater because it's dark. And when that door is open, you can yeah. clearly tell us Plus someone... Plus, they physically saw him. And they saw... Yeah, they said they saw him phone. feign the phone call, too. <laughs> <laughs> they, they knew he was faking, faking a phone well, call? Well, I mean, they, did, <laughs> they didn't know he was faking, but, like, I guess, you know, we know now that he was faking, so that's yeah. why I say feign, but... Um, so he went out to the car, right? Um, and he's, he got dressed up in all the tactical gear, right? Um, and then like when he's all dressed up, he got startled. He saw a theater employee dumping trash in a, uh, in like a dumpster and it almost provoked him to shoot him. Uh, and this theater employee didn't, I guess, never realize how narrowly he escaped death. Okay. But then this that is ruined his plans right there. Here's another, right. you want to hear, this is the biggest moment of fate, in my opinion, though, is James Holmes called a mental health line that he had taken down days later and put it into his phone. He says the call disconnected after nine seconds. And, and they pressed him and asked him, you know, would you have made a different decision or changed your mind um, if somebody talked to you? And he, he didn't completely dismiss it. He's probably, he said, he, it seemed like he would have still done it, but who knows? You get somebody to talk to you. Right. J- just People have been talked out of situations crazier than that. Um, That's pretty crazy. Well, actually, I don't know if crazier than that, but they've been talked out of crazy situations. The, the fact that he actually called that line, what's that mean, though? What's, why did he call that line? He, he, kept hoping that, he kept hoping that somebody would stop him, dude. He kept hoping that. And yeah, and, and that's why he was pressing the psychiatrist. Hoping that they would, but then again, not really because he wouldn't give the authority to call friends or anything like that. And the hotline would say that the call was registered with them and that the woman that answered it couldn't hear him or couldn't hear someone, so they hung up. Was he wearing his suit or something? They hung up. I don't, he was already wearing the suit at that point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that had any effect on it, but to give you, to give you more insight on how we were talking about he wanted to be stopped, he thought that the FBI had been following him. So he thought like he had seen a car somewhere previous a few days before and he thought he went and stood under a light on the side of the building all in the tactical gear and he was expecting the FBI to stop him right then. Wow. Like he thought that they were following him and they were just waiting for him to do it to stop him. And then when so, nobody did, he went in the theater. So so he left the hmm. theater and nobody noticed that the door is still open after this I would think dude left. He propped in. it open with a clip. Oh, slightly, so slightly, slightly. So again, he was casing the theater and researching all this stuff very meticulously. So the security guard wasn't doing their job, who was surveilling the, the theater. Because you, you, there's a, some kind of sensor that says the door's still and open. I feel someone coming in or out into the theater would see some dude, random dude, fully or fully dressed up, walking in, you know, across the parking lot. Right, and the dude that was thrown out the trash was he not fully dressed in his gear when the dude with the trash? He, saw he was in his car. In he car. was in his car oh, dressed okay. at that time. But I mean, after you left the car, there's people going in and out the theater. No one saw this weird dude fully dressed in like almost SWAT uh, costume. No, because know. he went to the back door. 
Like, like that exit. What does that well, exit that's a lead to? Parking lot. Oh, the exit leads to a parking lot. Then you have to. Yeah, aren't aren't there people in that parking lot coming in and out? Was it an indoor parking lot, an outdoor parking lot? Outdoor. It was an outdoor. It's kind of lot. like think of the movie theaters around here. It's kind of like that. Okay. I'm picturing Lincoln. Yeah, it's similar to that. Huh. Yeah. I, that's funny. That's what I was picturing too. Yeah. But uh, so, and this is a big point, right? That I'm about to make right here. He had two gas canisters with him. When he got out of the car, he dropped a gas canister, looked for it for a few minutes, couldn't find it. You know, it's like kind of hard to see with his mask and all that yeah. shit. And it's extremely hot under all that shit that he's wearing. Right. So he's sweating profusely already. And he couldn't find that gas canister. So he just ended up going in with the one gas canister, the tear gas. Okay. okay? So just let's make note of that. All right. Um, so after that, he adjusted the techno music and in his iPod and popped his earbuds in um, and headed into the theater, right? So when he approached from the exit door, he threw his gas canister in there. People thought it might just have been some sort of prank and like somebody threw a firecracker or something when it's, until, the, until the shooting started. Because he shot shortly right after that. People must have thought it was part of the show. Oh my God, this is the best movie ever. Look at the, look at the effects. <laughs> some people said that. Some people thought it was like some kind of special promotion for the movie. Because that was a huge I was movie. Just you remember how that, big yeah. that movie was? Yeah, like you know how Batman has his like smoke bombs does, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It, could, it certainly could have been. I could see why people would think that. And especially, again, premiere night. Huge movie. The Batman series was yeah uh, the the best one in the series had just come out exactly. So people were fucking salivating for this Bane one, right? Mm-hmm. So the Dark Knight Rises, right? He's in there. The movie's going on. Um, the first people, uh, I guess, the people in the upper left of the auditorium noticed him right away, and they noticed him because he was all decked out in his gear, and they even noticed him before he started shooting. And they tried to make a run for it. So the first shots that James unloaded, James unloaded was all the rounds from his shotgun um, in that direction of those people that ran first. So he, he dumped everything out of there. Um, he believed he might have hit some people, dropped the gun. Um, he then moved on to shooting the rifle. And he indicated that firing it with the gas mask on in the low light made his infrared scope difficult to use. He would tell, uh, Holmes would say in his interviews that he focused on shooting people that were trying to escape because it, it couldn't ha- he couldn't have everyone running away from the scene. You know what I mean? So the people that were running, that was who he was targeting first. Um, let's see here. Some fucking crazy shit. Victims said that he walked up the aisles at one point and like uh, he was shooting people that were cowering behind seats, although he only remembers shooting down from near the screen. So he doesn't recall doing that. And we looked at some of the Hmm. bullet trajectories. They have some photos in the book that show bullet trajectories. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, this isn't like one of your old school movie theaters that has the seats stacked behind each other where you could really kind of hide behind the seats. This is that stadium seating. So there was very little space to lay down and shield yourself. And these fucking bullets, they were hollow points. 
and right, they, go they right were going right through the fucking chairs, you know? Yeah, what did you guys think of those photos of the bullet trajectories? Pretty crazy, right? It was pretty crazy. A lot of the trajectories showed that it was coming from the front, though. Yeah, when yeah, you look at up. it. Well, but again, so if, he's, holes, yeah. if he's... Uh, they were only put in the trajectories that went through seats. So oh, okay. if he came up to the side and shot somebody from the side and they it didn't go through anyone, they, they couldn't didn't. they couldn't really put something there to represent that, okay. I guess. But but yeah, so he was going after the ones that were running away first. A victim said that Wait, wait, wait. Before he started unloading the shotgun on the people that first noticed him and were running away, had he already thrown the, the, the gas? He threw the uh, gas as he entered the theater. Okay. And then he threw one. He said he yeah, because the other one he dropped. The other one he dropped in the uh, excuse me parking lot. But but witnesses claims that there was two canister. We're That's what the witnesses this. claimed, right, Gene? Suspicious. You said there were some reports of multiple. There were canisters. two other ones. Apparently, they were saying so. Three in total. Yeah. So and there's we'll, so, we'll, so we'll cover that in the conspiracy part. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. bring up, bring up some of the conspiracy theories. Um, we're we're kind of getting towards the point where we're almost at that home stretch to this conspiracies. So next, I want to say that Holmes is. This is when like after he shot a few more times with the rifle, it ended up jamming, and instead of going for the handguns which he had already loaded at this point, he attempted to unjam the rifle, and this was because uh, he had this weird. Remember how I was saying like he wanted people to think he was good with weapons, like kind of like a tough guy, and that yeah. particular gun looks pretty badass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was the gun he really wanted to be remembered for using. So when that jammed, instead of just going for the handguns, he was really trying hard to to unjam it. But um, I guess he had loaded a clip into it. Again, this is where his inexperience with the with the firearms came in, and he caused a misfeed on the bullets. So, because of his lack of experience, he basically caused the gun to jam. Hmm. Um, hmm. And he was not able to unjam the rifle, but he would take out the handguns, sh- set off a few more shots with those. Um, in total, we had seventy victims, um, twelve that had died, unfortunately. And another 58 injured, many of them, like, paralyzed uh, in horrible fucking ways, dude. Um, So after failing to unjam the gun a little more, like like I said, he used the handguns a bit, but then he decided that he would would leave at that point, seeing some people had escaped already. He said that the ground was, like, Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. People that escaped said the ground was slippery with blood when they exited, and, like, that's how much blood was in the theater. Um, the first emergency call came in at the Aurora Police Department dispatch at 12.38 a.m., and that would be the first of 42 emergency calls that were placed that night. The caller claimed that he could see the shooter wore a mask because his face would light up each time the muzzle flashed. So it's like when the gun sparked, like you just, and I'm just picturing that. It's very yeah, eerie. That is very you know? eerie. That's going to be yeah, implanted in their mind forever. Yeah. And Holmes claimed that he was leaving the theater, that when he was leaving the theater, this is a weird detail, he noticed a man sitting in the front row smiling at him. Um, and he said he didn't know if it was like really a smile or maybe if it was like a grimace. 
and he was wounded, but he was like frozen in his seat with this bizarre smile stretched across his face. And he said he didn't think about shooting him because it would have been really personal to shoot someone that was smiling at him. He was looking for impersonal, you know, in That's the, why he didn't in go the after dark. His friends. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Didn't go after his friends. Did it in the dark, you know, like. Did they find out who that guy was? No, not that. That's just one thing that he said. Um, what if it was? In I his don't know head? if they were right. That that's creepy. Huh? That's fucking disturbing. Who the hell would be smiling unless they're fucking crazy themselves? Yeah, it could. But then <sighs> again, maybe be. maybe it could have been the grimace type of situation where he was just in immense pain. But who would be sitting still? I know in the front, just sitting there. Yeah, and what he he just be riddled with bullets if he was in the front. Yeah, you saw those fucking he wouldn't be pictures. Yeah. It was like there's no way the phone would tons just be sitting of, there. Tons uh, of rounds. I, I don't think that recollection by him is accurate. Hmm. Yeah, it's possible it might not be. So two observant police officers would notice that Holmes's gas mask didn't seem to be a uh, police issued one when he went outside. You know, because at first they thought maybe this is like a SWAT guy. You know what I mean? So like when he went outside. He went to his car, um, set his gun down on the hood, started taking stuff off because he was like fucking sweating. Yeah. So he took like the helmet off and the and and uh, some other stuff, but I guess he had the gas mask on. And so they drew their guns on him, and he would surrender without incident, as we know. You know, he he didn't. So uh, upon his handcuffing, though, the police asked Holmes if there were any other bombs. Or explosives, and he that right away he confessed that his house was in fact booby trapped. So right there, he told him right on the spot. Hmm, and then when they asked him if there was another shooter, he said, "No, it's just me." Um, they ended up handcuffing him near a dumpster enclosure area because the officers like didn't feel comfortable having their backs to the open exit door because they weren't convinced that it was just one person. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they said that there was like a terrified teen girl that had used that area for a hiding space. And she was in there and she was, was like, uh, she was like, are you guys police? You know, so she was all freaked the fuck out. Um, the cops discussed the possibility of another shooter. And they said that like that was what they had heard. But James told them that there wasn't. And they thought that there was somebody else aiming a fucking gun at them. Because a green laser dot was was pointed at them, but it was just the gun he had left on the roof of the car. <laughs> so for a second, though, they thought somebody was about to shoot them, dude. Yeah, wow. That's cr- like you see how detailed this shit is. This is insane. Like you just hear, oh, guy killed twelve people, injured these people, but when you fucking dig into this shit, this is some crazy shit going on in this fucking thing, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It like, really is. so. Jessica Gowie, okay, this was unfortunately one of the victims. Um, she was loaded into a police car and brought to the hospital, but died tragically. And the crazy part was she had narrowly avoided another mass shooting at Toronto's Eaton Center just a few weeks earlier that was committed by this, Af- this um, uh, African guy named Christopher Husbands. Um, basically... Uh, he just shot like I think two people in that center, and there's like video of it. He's just like, I took a look at the video real quick, and I was like, wow. So she avoided that one, and then unfortunately, 
I mean, that's got to be like the odds are in the billions. That's some final destination two, shit. Right? It's in two different countries. That's crazy. It's like death correcting itself. Maybe all that happened just to uh, get her. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> that's and, th- and then I go back to thinking about the other shit, right? Like how he was supposed to be in Theater 8. You know, he kept getting tickets for Theater 8. Mm-hmm. And then the phone call, right? Phone call, yeah. All these, all these fucking crazy things that happened to put him in that place. And then not on top of that, that girl had avoided that other tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy shit, dude. Everyone's life is like interconnected. So at this point, the police cruisers were having to be used like ambulances because they couldn't get people over there fast enough. They couldn't get people over there fast enough. So the cops were loading them in and bringing the injured over there. Um, one of the officers loaded two people, which was a couple, a woman that had been shot in the face and the chest, and she was unresponsive, and a man that had been shot in the head, and he drove them to the hospital. While he drove them to the hospital, the man tried to jump outside of the cruiser. He kept asking repeatedly, uh, where's my daughter? And the officer realized a few moments later that he had stepped over her corpse when he picked them up. Oh, like she man. was the one dead on the fucking ground. Ooh. And the father's just like freaking out, shot, shot, in shot in the fucking head, trying to jump out of the cruiser car. And can you imagine this cop's like, just hold on. You know what I mean? Like he's driving. And he said that there was like puddles of blood in the back oh. of the car, just like fucking. And he could hear it sloshing when he was driving. Imagine that fucking horror, dude. Oh. Did that guy live? The guy did. I believe the woman didn't, though. Unfortunately. That's crazy. So before reading Holmes his Miranda rights... Well, actually, um, I'm sorry. They they read Holmes his Miranda rights, and then he lawyered up uh, at the fucking... at the um, police station. Um, and one of the, as I told you guys before, one of the things he would ask is if any children have been killed in the shooting... And at the time, the police didn't know, uh, you know, if anybody had been killed yet. But the following day, they knew a six-year-old was was murdered. And he, Holmes was quoted about being remorseful for that one. And then there's, the, there's some pretty bizarre videos of him in the police station, um, like with mittens on his hands, talking to himself and shit, acting like his hands are puppets. Really fucking weird stuff, like when he got left alone in the room, just the things he was doing. Right. And, um, yeah, that's what I have. I have everything up to the shooting. Um, I, I wanted to give you guys the wow. most detailed perspective we could get. We've been going on this very detailed for almost two hours. Wow. Um, I feel like take. it just flew by, though. Yeah, it did. It did, man. I, I still want to know more, like... This is well. You got to read this book. When I'm done with it, I'll give it to you. Um, I bought the book, uh, but as I said, we've been really consumed with putting up content on the website and writing more stuff for the Factor Fable segment. So I didn't get to read the whole thing. I got halfway through. Mm-hmm. So what me and Gene decided to do is that now we're going to go through some of the conspiracies about this case with you guys. Um, Gene's going to present some of these conspiracies, and what we're going to do is finish the book. And then we're going to analyze these conspiracies and we're going to put up an exclusive article on evilexamined.com, www.evilexamined.com. And you guys can come and see 
what our research shows, if these, if these conspiracies have any merit and maybe are still unexplained, or if we're able to debunk them. And um, it is our commitment to look at them as objectively as possible, as if they were false at first. And, you know, uh, we're really going to be impo- as impartial as possible on this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm going to turn it over to Gene. I've been fucking talking like a madman, so. <laughs> Man. Sorry if I talk too much, but I just, uh, there's a lot of detail that was in my head on this, too, that I didn't take notes on. So I want to make sure that we could all absorb that. No, you, you did a good, very great job covering all, all the key aspects of what happened, especially only reading half the book. I thought you, you did okay. I think I, the more importantly for me is like, um, aside from the actual pinnacle, the event, um, is the progression, the journey to that point. Right. And what shapes a person's mind to commit these crimes or whatever. That's it, the, mo- the most interesting yeah. part. It allows us to speculate on the why now because we, we know. This isn't right? normal. This is, this is, there's no way we can relate. To something like this, no, unless it, we're kill- <laughs> murderers ourselves. Yeah, it, right. it doesn't click for me. So it's 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 almost alien. Like I can relate to some of the antisocial aspects of it, but none of the you know like in the in the budding lunacy article that we put up on evilexamine.com, um, I alluded to the fact in that article that everyone at some point has thought about killing someone. Okay, and I don't mean that as in you plotted a murder. I mean it as in, okay, what if I was in the situation where somebody broke into my house? What if I was in a situation where my daughter was killed by someone and I knew who they were? You know what I mean? Situa- like an extreme situation. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, I'm not saying we, everyone's thought about plotting a murder, but everyone's thought about what it might be like, right? You, you wonder what it might be like, I feel like, at some point. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I yeah, know, not well. Not to sound weird, but I, I used to, uh, <laughs> I, I used to um, obsess over death situations constantly, because I, I throughout my life I found myself in in life or death situations where I could have died, but by chance uh, I'm, I didn't. So it's something that just I would think about different situations where I can die, people I care about would die. I don't, but never like committing it. Right, right. Being a victim to it. Well, it's kind of like what I was talking about before, too. Like when you walk into a place and you think, oh, what if something crazy happened here? You know? So, yeah, everybody thinks about it. But the, you know, and and this whole conversation goes back to the age old question of why, you know, nature or nurture, right? Is it because he was chemically imbalanced and fucked up? It didn't, it didn't seem like it in the respect of, before he turned 10 or 13, right? Before the move, right? Right. It sure didn't seem that way before the move when he was Jimmy, right? <laughs> Jimmy. So, but yeah, very interesting stuff. So, I want to start the conspiracy at the, 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 ma- the biggest one, which is, was there another shooter involved? And... um I'll start with, uh, I guess there was uh, the police radio transmissions between uh, the cops at the scene. Um, and after they apprehended um, James, uh, well, one of the transmissions was uh, the officer found the suspect in the gas mask. 
And the other officer was like, is that the dude in the white car you're by? And after a few transmissions, he's like, uh, the white car in the rear of the lot? Yes. Uh, we got rifles, gas masks. He's detained right now. Uh, I, I got an open door going into the theater. So they found him. Uh, they said they found him heavily drugged outside the, the car. Um, and so the cops had time to talk to witnesses before they even caught him. Well, they're probably talking to him through phone calls too, right? Nine one one calls, and then the ones on the scene that weren't near the shooter, right? They're talking to people screaming coming out of the theater, right. and they're all on radio, so it's easy for them to bounce back and forth gotcha. these conversations. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of skeptics, um, they cite this exchange uh, between the cops as evidence that Holmes was found in his locked car with a gas mask on and heavily drugged, not outside the car, as Oates stated, which was the, one of the officers. Um, Wait, say that again? He was, he was heavily drugged. The skeptics think that, that the exchange between them might, uh, might point to the fact that he was inside the car locked in heavily drugged with his gas mask on not outside of it, um, which would have forced the first responders to break the passenger side window and usually get a white stretcher board in pre- preparation to transport him. So the window was broken? No, they said that um, if that was the case, if he was in his car heavily drugged, with, locked in it, they would have to break the passenger window which, and take him out and have a stretcher because it seemed like he was not supposedly non-responsive. And heavily drugged. Well, when they first arrived. In the account in the book, though. Yeah, they it says, it says that. Yeah, he was outside. Right, and it says they aimed the guns at him Mm -hmm. um, and told him to freeze, and he complied. Um, So I'm not sure where they're getting this account from. How old old is this uh, information? Um, 2012. Okay, so that's relatively close to the crime. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think. It says August. I think with that one, we might have to go with the book because that's 2018. And I don't think that this particular man that wrote the book, the site, he was just a psychiatrist. I don't think he would have any radio transmissions reason to make, oh, well. that, make that up. But well, I'm just, they're saying these are taken from the radio transmissions, according to the police radio transmission. And that, there's a video I that guess. they said he was inside the car. Um, Sorry if I'm making this confusing. Yeah. Well, that's what the skeptics were citing. Um, I guess the exchange between the two cops made it seem like, because um, they didn't they didn't say, "Oh, we we have the suspect." I, they're not saying, "Oh, he's he's standing right beside his car. We're pointing guns at him." They're like, "Yeah, we found we found him with uh, rifles and gun uh, gas mask and all that shit." Um, and he's being detained right now. So I guess skeptics. One of the I guess one of the um, the conspiracies is that they found him locked in the car with the gas mag, gas mask on and heavily drugged. So they're they're saying that they believe he was locked in the car with the gas mask. Yeah, and they're basing that off of the. Radio transmissions? The radio transmissions between the two cops. Okay, so what we'll have to do then for this one, when you and I sit down to review Mm -hmm. this, we'll have to listen to the radio transmissions and transcribe it, and then um, we'll compare it with what the book says, because it sounds like there's a conflict there. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. But I wanted to bring that up because that could be interesting. Yeah. Right, because then, then that one leads accounts to the... Him, him giving up, right? And one's him not being responsive. Completely different. Yeah. Completely different. Mm-hmm. And then and then um, we had uh, the whole MK Ultra concept, right? Which is where like a handler... That's would, one of... Yeah, that's one of the... It, it ties into that, right? It ties into that other conspiracy that I was looking yeah. at, which uh, they, they believe he's a MK... MK Ultra, um, I guess, agent. They would call them agents. Like he was like mind, mind control, control, kind of. Oh, like wow. hypnosis uh, throughout the years. Which they said um, in college, you know, once he started going to college, um, that's where um, in the past, in, in our past episodes, we were, we were saying how like a lot of these college kids would um, volunteer to be test subjects, and, you know, to try out new pills and all that. And wow. that, that's when they would give them drugs and then, Mind control. Do the MK Ultra supposedly. Um, so that's one of the conspiracies, as well, <coughs> that he was um, a result of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a lot of uh, of these shooters that are on those type of crazy drugs, and we know he was on Zoloft, right? He, yeah, so he was on. that's confirmed. But you know, it's it's a it's a much bigger leap to say that he was being controlled by some other entity so yeah i want to it's a little harder to prove too i don't know about all of that (laughs) it's a little harder to prove as well um but they said three minutes after holmes was detained in his car uh the officer one of the officers says uh one of the shooters might be wearing a white and blue plaid shirt the dispatcher responds copy outstanding shooter possibly wearing a white and uh, blue patched plaid shirt and um, the officer confirmed, yeah, the suspect is saying that he's the only one, but I'm getting conflicted um, suspect descriptions by the witnesses out here. And some people may th- may listen to this one. And the, f- the first thing that came to my head was, well, if there was more than one of them um, and you didn't want to be associated with the shooting and you wanted Holmes to take the whole rap, it would make sense to blend in like a regular person in the theater, right? Exactly, yeah. Right. Like you obviously, some people may say, oh, well, why, why wasn't he in tactical gear? Well, because he wants to blend in. Or it could be an arrangement. Like, yeah, they, this could be for the, uh, which is another conspiracy, which is an agenda to um, disarm the populace by increasing the gun, um, you know, the shootings and all that stuff. So make uh, stricter gun rules to take guns away from the people. Hmm. So having um, this guy be the, 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 I guess, the scapegoat and have a handler there or something, and yeah. this, you know, puppeteering things, and this guy obviously being um, tapped, he gets all the glory, obviously, like he wants. He gets to, to build his capital, and they get to further their agenda. And I, I think you that. got we got to think about, when we think about that one, too, um, we got to think about all the stuff leading up, mm-hmm. right? So all that stuff leading up, the journals, all of his purchases, the things he said to people. Um, like when... that, Yeah, where's the handler come into all of that? Exactly. You know, there's, right. not, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. The only thing, and like he wrote the journal himself, and I'm not saying it's completely impossible because if you think of the, assass- the assassination of Bobby Kennedy, right? He was killed by a guy named Sirhan Sirhan. Um, and Sirhan Sirhan 
claims that he was also brainwashed. And even like his journal entries where he talked about uh, plotting the murder, like he was like, yeah, that's my handwriting. But I, I didn't write that stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, so it was almost like they're in a trance when they're when they're yeah doing this. And he and the like thing the fro- when he's frozen, you you know how he states like he doesn't remember what happened. Mm. He's just frozen, then knocks back in and doesn't know what the fuck happened. And I'll, it'll be weird. it'll be interesting for us to dig into this though and really try and find some concrete evidence. Stuff. Yeah, because I there is some evidence with Sirhan Sirhan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think maybe with this one. The imagery of James Holmes in the courtroom when they brought him in and he's all like, like he looks whacked the fuck out and drugged up. Like, I think that that may may have made people jump to conclusion Mm -hmm. without any other um, analysis on it. So we we need to examine that. Yeah. Yeah. We're just covering the the most popular uh, uh, conspiracies, but we'll, we'll get into them. And there's one regarding the, the courtroom appearance. Um, but the, the reason why they think there, there possibly could be multiple shooters is uh, one of the dispatchers uh, receives several updates. And, it's, and it, regarding that, it was saying, copy all units, mail with, with a red backpack and another one possibly in black clothing headed towards um, Almedia Avenue, which I guess the deer was on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, James didn't have a red backpack, right? Right. He only had his gear and what whatever. They didn't but, mention a red backpack. Yeah. So anywhere. now now there's a I guess a man with the plaid uh, the white shirt and plaid plaid jeans. Um, oh, possibly okay. with a red backpack and another one black cold clothing, who were um, uh, described by the witnesses. Black clothing. Yeah. See, that could just be James. Huh? Maybe that could be For James real, too. Yeah, that's but <laughs> you would be more descriptive, right? Someone's in an armored fucking <laughs> outfit, but yeah, I think I think if they were like wearing a fucking gas mask, I mean, everybody says just everybody like, says they look he looked like SWAT. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would if if I saw someone dressed normally and then someone dressed in SWAT in, in a gas mask, I would. The most prominent thing is a fucking gas mask. I'll be right. like, all right, there's a guy with uh, plaid whatever, red backpack, and a, a dude walking around in, in a gas mask and yeah. armor or whatever, a black holding. Yeah, I mask. would be saying, I mean, given it is a, a crazy situation, but I would say it looks like there's a fucking like, cop or somebody with the SWAT murdering a bunch of people. Right. You know what exactly, I mean? Yeah. Um, That's what I would say. But, or at least what I think I would say, I guess. I can't. You <laughs> never know until you're in the situation, right? But. Nah, I feel like knowing you, you would be a little more descriptive with what it is that you're saying. Yeah. So, um, you know, go, going into those uh, back and forth uh, radio transmissions, uh, they were saying the suspect is, go- is, is going to be a male unknown race, black camel tape outfit, which could be the, the tactical gear, believed to be wearing a, a vest, gas mask, and multiple long guns. So that's probably James. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Even after 45 minutes passing, uh, making it more than an hour after James was already detained, officers still mentioned other potential stu- uh, shooters. So, uh, talking to people, making statements, sounds like we have possible, possibly two shooters. One that was in Theater 8 seated, and another one that came from the outside, 
from theater nine. So that would be James and then someone who was already seated in theater eight. Well, how do they know that though? That's that's weird, right? Yeah. So they're saying somebody left theater eight and went a and theater eight went, and went to nine and went into nine because they're saying it sounds like a coordinated attack from the, what the witnesses were saying. Well, you know what's crazy too, though, is that this doesn't. They didn't elaborate on this at all, and they just said it was because he was trying to get a ticket for theater nine, but he did buy multiple tickets. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's true. But I don't know how. And that if he's would that smart, in, if he's that smart, and he intended to just buy one ticket and go there anyways, why would he waste his fucking cash? Like cash that has no value. But this guy was a very smart man, and maybe why he would he waste save the ticket stub? <laughs> I don't know, maybe because I saw if some I pictures remember. online of people that had the stub from <laughs> yeah. that fucking movie. Talk maybe. about some memorabilia. Well, that's murderbilia, really, right? Maybe he want to save it and like sell it on eBay later on. Yeah, know. but uh, you know, everyone uh, was uh, the cops were saying, you know, every unit possible second shooter still at large. Keep the media away from them. Um. Uh, but there's think think about it though, okay. Even an hour after this, you're talking about seventy people, right? That got shot. Mm-hmm. So these people, there's still absolute chaos and anarchy going on there. For real, I feel like there's a lot of confusion. It's darks. There's and, gas. And, the, and there's ha- it's hard be, yeah. for the ambulances to get in. Um, that's why the police cruisers are bringing people in and out. So there's um there's there's a lot of uh that you- that one might be just. More precautionary than anything, but nonetheless, I want to investigate. That's true. That's true. That's definitely true. Uh, here's where it gets a little interesting. <laughs> Two things make it a little dun, interesting dun, dun. and uh, unexplained <laughs> to uh, to this day. Uh, there, they said they uh, there's a trail of blood leading towards, as opposed away from the emergency exit in Theater Nine, which is still currently unexplained. So, what would that? And I'm just trying to think. What cool. would that mean, though? What would that mean? It, it means there someone was bleeding at an origin that that deviated from the theater, going into the theater. Whether or not that was James, I don't know, or someone James else. James didn't get injured. He didn't get injured. So someone else that was already prior. I don't see why anybody would go back into the theater if you were in the theater. You got shot. You ready somehow, to get mind fucked? Somehow you got out. Why would you ever go back in? They're not saying it came from. Uh, See, if they but there's came, only one path, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's not like they came out and they, there's a blood splatter going from out and then back, back in. in. It's just it's out to in. Out to in. You ready for a mind fuck? And oh, they can't shit. explain that. Shit. You ready for a mind fuck? I got a theory. I got a conspiracy theory for you guys. You're laid on us. What? What if the quote handler of James Holmes, let's say the guy in the fucking plaid shirt, right? Let's just say the guy in the plaid shirt was out in the parking lot, right? Which is where they found some other items that you're going to get into. Okay? So maybe those were his items. What if he cut himself or injured himself, made made himself bleed, right? Ran in and then out the front exit so that he would be construed only as a victim. Hmm. Yeah, that, that seems like it kind of fits the, the theory that those other people did not want to be associated as if they were with him. But I feel like they wanted to be just one of the victims. Like after the fact, you think? After the shooting? Because if he rains in while James is shooting, he's probably going to get shot. So maybe after James leaves, he goes in, 
Right. He waits for James yeah. to... He would have to wait for James to leave because there's no time stamp on the blood trail, right? No. But there's a, there's a time stamp. Supposedly, he was sitting in the theater already and people saw him. Who? The guy in the plaid shirt. He was already sitting in the theater when the shooting happens and he was one of the shooters. But... So that... How would that fit in? So he killed... So, so he shot some people... Maybe it was somebody else. Maybe there was more than one person. Well, he he could have been inside, shot some people, and he didn't get hurt while he was inside. But at the Leave. same time, like people, like you said, um, people are in a state of shock. Because the guy in the red backpack too, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of incongruencies with people's story, but it is also when you're in a hectic situation like that, you you sometimes you don't even know what the fuck you're seeing. Was there video outside that that door? That solves everything, dude. That should there should have been video, right? There should be. And, and did you mention that there was a, a gun with a laser scope, like and a even green one it, that people thought that was on top of his hood and it was shining? That through. was his gun that he left there. Yeah, like, that was his gun that he left there. Like dumbass, I guess he left it there, and, or maybe strategically placed it there in case. Which he the, it. the detail of that completely conflicts that other conspiracy, right? Of him being locked in the car. Maybe. Maybe he still left it there and forgot it. You think maybe he put it on top so and hot. went in the car? Maybe, or m- when he initially left to go inside, he had all his guns and left that one on top by mistake or something? I don't think so. Uh, at least that's not how he recounts it. But but he admits to being a, alone. a shooter and, and admits yeah. to being alone. Well, he wants all the glory. So This is about him. <laughs> he doesn't care about anyone else. Or anyone stealing his spotlight, right? Mm. That's true. Especially if he had a handler, you know, they would already brainwash him to say that it's only him. Now, the 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 <laughs> the weirdest part here, which could could indicate there was someone else, for sure, is um, there's uh, there has yet to be an official explanation for a orange duffel bag found with a gas can in there and ballistic gear found at a different part of the parking lot. Um, than the actual gear found in his car. And James, like, on the story, he doesn't mention having a, a different stash anywhere else, right? No. So no, that's the weird he, part. They, they, what we read and went over, we were very detailed, right, earlier in the podcast, and we read off each thing. There was no two gas masks. And then that's the other thing you said, there was that the witnesses in the theater said they saw more than one gas tear gas canister um, James himself says he dropped one outside the theater hmm. and he only brought one in. Yeah. So and there was one in a duffel bag. So was that the one he dropped? Did someone pick it up and place it somewhere else? Or was it entirely someone else's whole equipment? That's that's but, what you and me have to find but, out. But it yeah. defeats the whole purpose of those other people wanting to be looking like just like the victims. Why would they have the same gear as him? They can be... Well, the gas the gas canister plays a role in helping conceal, I guess. Um, but apparently, um, yeah, it must have been really hard to see inside there, dude. You know, yeah, can yeah. you imagine? Not, I mean, tear gas is gonna fucking burn your eyes and make it so you can't really see anyway. So, like, a lot of the stuff in the theater that witnesses say, although they think that's what yeah. they saw, how credible is it really? Exactly. Now that the, adds more questions to it. The weird part is that. Uh, <laughs> you know, although the authorities say that they found the the 100 round uh, drum style ammo clip 
um, in the rifle used by Holmes. Uh, the skeptics note that the rifle found outside of Theater 9 uh, emergency exit appears to have a normal clip on it, not the, not the, um, the drum style. Um, so that, that begs the question. Um, the second gas mask was... Well, was, what about the other gun that was in his car that he didn't use, though? That was a handgun, wasn't it? He remember. kept there. Uh, uh, he, you said you kept a handgun in the car, and a knife. Oh, it was anything. a handgun. Yeah, right. That makes sense because he had two he handguns. He had the two ro- rifles, uh, and he, he brought the- he brought the shotgun, the rifle, and the handgun with him. Yeah, and then he left. He wouldn't leave the rifle there because you said that, that was he his glory to look gun. Badass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he just left the handgun in case he needs it for whatever exchange will happen between cops. And Precisely. He, yeah. Um. So. Uh, they said they found the second gas mask at the far end of the parking lot, uh, hundreds of feet uh, feet from the Theater 9 exit and Holmes' car. So this was hundreds of feet away from Holmes' car. Um, and Holmes was found wearing a different gas mask. So it wasn't the same gas mask, oh, which is shit. weird. So there's a whole another set of ballistic uh, equipment, uh, gas mask, and a rifle. And in the book, it and mentions a, a gas nothing canister. about him purchasing those. Because all of his purchases are verified. Like, he had to use credit card for them. Yeah. So there's, there's a paper trail with those, you know? Exactly. Hmm. And it just wouldn't make sense for him to get two gas masks. Why would he need two? He did double up on certain things, like guns, right? Or, like, knives. But there's no reason he would buy two helmets or two vests, right? Or two gas masks, because it made no sense. What fucking purpose would that be? Or uh, uh, maybe it could be that because his uh, original equipment, all the stuff that he needed was on the car, uh, the first car right next to the exit. Mm-hmm. And what if he couldn't make, make it to that exit? He, that he had another car as a backup with the same kind of equipment for him to get to. I think that that is, there's nothing about that in the book. And I mean, while it's a possibility that he just left it out altogether because he is delusional and crazy... Um, how, how would he have got back to pick the other car up and go? You know what I mean? What he would have had to drop it off days in advance, and it just would have sat there. Yeah, it's and it's not a car. They found it on the ground, right? Yeah, it was a duff in a duffel bag. Yeah, ground? it was just in a duffel oh, bag on the ground, laid hundreds of yards from his car, away from like anywhere he was around. That was the part about the conspiracy that always in- weirded me out. Was that extra stuff that was found? Yeah, that was by far. The multiple shooter stuff, some, I mean, there's a lot, almost every single mass shooting that you point to, at some point, people think there's multiple shooters, okay? Somebody says it, right? Um, Because one guy calls in and says, I saw this shooter here, and then somebody calls in, maybe saw the same guy, right? But describes him slightly differently, and then somebody else calls, you know what I mean? You can see how that could easily get misconstrued, and it almost does for every single one. But we're talking about physical evidence right now. We're talking about um, a gas mask, right, and a cache of some other particulars that is unexplained. And, and the fact that they haven't put anything out about wh- where this stuff was purchased from, you know, this is the type of shit where they should be able to look up serial numbers and figure out where it came from. Yeah. Even James himself has it. Follow the money trail, too. Like I don't, you haven't finished the book, but nowhere does it say that he he's accounted for that separate uh, set of equipment, right? No. 
So that's that's the weird part here. We will definitely get into this. Um, We're going to call it as a podcast. You know, we're not going to do another podcast on this, but again, we are going to put up an article and examine these conspiracies once the book is concluded and we get a chance to look at some other research. There's simply just not enough time in the week to do all this shit sometimes. No. Yeah. I've spent, I mean, probably like 12 hours researching this fucking case already. Um, and it's fascinating. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I still, I don't know if I, it's a I, rabbit hole. With all the answers I've been given, I just asked myself the question like, do I have more questions now with some <laughs> of this stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah, the origin of of his uh, of his evil and like we said some of these strange physical evidences that are unexplainable it's like the more you know the more you realize what you don't know yeah more questions the more you realize the, that you don't know shit what are, what are your <laughs> thoughts on this Ronnie on this just all of this that we've yeah I'm very perplexed on how how the whole thing just came to be from him just from those thoughts to then eventually doing it and then to all of these theories and all the contradiction and it's just his collection his own memory too is like all flaky yeah that that's what really throws me off i feel like we can't really believe everything he says to right. his occurrence it's it's hard to because he's he's crazy you know and then in addition it's like you have uh just a certain self-centeredness that he had, right? To, yeah. So, like, he sees things through his... A little his own, egotistical. His ego, right? Oh, actually, we should, we should also say real quick that um, Holmes confessed to the shooting but pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. And the prosecutors sought the death penalty for him. His trial began April 27, 2015. And on July 16th, he was convicted of 24 counts of first-degree murder, which that I don't get. He killed 12 people, but he was convicted of 24 counts of murder. Well, It was an attempted murder for the other one. How many people did he maim for life? Is there a, a different category no, for... First-degree murder? Maiming? I don't get that. You ruin what? someone's life, they can't walk anymore, they, their life is like... They're no, par- the, pro- w- probably Wikipedia must have it wrong. It must be attempted murder. I don't think so, dude. I've, I feel like I've seen it multiple places. Holmes killed 12 people, but got 24 life sentences, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, no, this article saying he got 12 life sentences plus 3,318 years. So, yeah, that must be a flub on Wikipedia. So you were right, Ronnie, and that just tells us, you know, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt, right? So so that's a lot of time. Obviously, he's never going to get out. He doesn't have the uh, possibility of parole. He was spared the death penalty. What do you guys think about that? Good. Let him suffer right away. Yeah, I, I agree. I think <laughs> jail is, is a horrible because horrible place. he doesn't want to die. Yeah, he got he got attacked in jail too. A See, guard. that's the interesting part. I was thinking about that. Like, 
I would like to know his experiences in jail and how he's he's coping with being in jail now and not having any power. Well, let's get into one thing actually before we wrap up is the collection of bizarre fan mail that he received. Um, um, the book has a picture of his cell and there's like this, I don't know, maybe it's like a two by two blue square that's on the wall of his cell that he can keep different pictures up on. And of course he has his ultra conception symbol. And then he just has pictures of like different chicks that have uh, written him and they've sent him, uh, you know, sexy pictures. And I don't know what the fascination is with women uh, that are obsessed with serial killers, but it's, it's, this is not an isolated incident. This has happened with a lot of different people. Um, but here, let me re- let's just read one of the letters. Okay. We'll go out with reading one of these letters and then uh, just giving our thoughts on it. And then, you know, you guys will hear about more of this on our article. But so this one was dated 9-12-2012. So this was about, I don't know, two months or so, maybe, maybe less, just a little less than that. Dear Mr. Holmes, we haven't spoken before. This is my first letter to you. Unsure of what to say. Hi, I'm blank, and I'm a blank student, 19 years old. I'll include a photo for your enjoyment or something. You seem pretty swell. How's things? What sort of movies do you like? Personally, I'm pretty hard on Tarantino flicks. Do you do any sort of pleasure reading? If so, what kinds of things do you read? You might like Chuck Palahniuk's Haunted. It's a riveting read, nice and long, and it has a lot of different points of view. So it's a bit like a tra- uh, transgressional Canterbury Tales with some pretty dark overtones about human nature and the necessity of conflict in otherwise utopian situations. This might get a bit annoying, but I'm going to try to write this like I was speaking to you. You've been warned. So yeah, I'm knitting this scarf thing. That's the color of your hair. Coincidence was the main factor in it. It's autumn here, and so pumpkins and Halloween is about a month and a half away. Most people like Halloween because it allows them to be something that they aren't. But I always liked it because it allowed me to be myself. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is, are you a fan of Halloween? You're pretty groovy, and you've got great hair. I don't, I don't want to assume we will like the same stuff. So what kind of stuff do you like? Books, movies, anything you feeling like exchange notes, anything you feeling like exchanging notes about, just go for it and I'll respond, or won't respond if you tell me to shut up. Whatever you feel like, hope you're safe. Blank. Oh boy. So I thought I thought um, going back to the the pictures, I thought those weren't allowed in jail. Sexy pictures and stuff like that. I think they took most of them or something. Oh. That bitch is tapped. That, Let me that just say girl. that. Start off with that. She she's definitely hope a, you're a well. Submissive. She wants to be dominated. Yeah. In his mind, she's she, just like shit on me, right? Yeah. Shit on me. <laughs> in his mind, though, like having all these fans. He, in his mind, he probably thinks he made it, right? He probably did his, the right thing. His capital has been raised. His values at this point, where he has all these fans and shit. He's right, though, He's in a way, it. right? Like in a sick way, the human capital that he talks about brought these women 
Like that's why I don't. I can't. So, I, so, so why so are the, people the, feeding into this? The shit? capital is stature, like his stature. His stature, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his place in society. And then I was thinking about he this went from a nobody to somebody because he said, if he did the crime and killed people, his homis- basically his homicide would stop him from committing suicide, right? Which it did, right? Even though he's in a in a world now where suicide would be contemplated constantly, I think. I think he tried them. to commit suicide in his cell too. I believe so he it didn't did. Stop anything. I I feel like I heard something about that, um, but I think that might be later in the book. I've always hated that man. Where you hear cases of murder where oh you kill the whole family and then you kill yourself. Just kill yourself. Why do you have to kill other people? Yeah, kill yourself. Just kill yourself. If you're <laughs> <laughs> like that's the ultimate selfishness. Like you'll rather kill other people than kill yourself. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah that's it, it. Just doesn't. My I mean, this guy, and it's weird because yeah, he, he had no interest in uh, he has interest in women wasn't that. Crazy. Yeah. He didn't really care. For and he doesn't have interest in making friends. And but then now he, has all, <laughs> now he has all these women fawning over him. And, yeah, and it says he did have a half-hearted suicide attempt, is how they described it. So he, he got hospitalized for a half-hearted suicide attempt. But it doesn't say how. Was he trying to... Uh, it says self-inflicted injuries. Oh, uh, he was taken into the hospital after running headfirst into the jail cell wall. That must have looked comical. Yeah. So this sounds more like an injury than a suicide attempt to me. Yeah. Running into a wall, you know? Angry or something. Maybe he was throwing a tantrum. <coughs> At worst, or something. you're going to knock yourself out. Yeah, and then probably got raped afterwards. But Well, I'm pretty sure he's isolated. Yeah. Cause he's he's like protected. I wonder how he got attacked then. Was well, a after? guard accidentally hit a switch on a door that was separating him from another inmate. And he ran in and like caught a couple shots on him. He didn't have like a weapon or anything. He just hit him a few times. Oh, accidentally. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I, I heard he was asked uh, if uh, inmates or other people in jail should should fear their, their life being around him, and he said, "Yeah, that they should fear their life." He's not an imposing, physically no. imposing guy. That <laughs> this guy was using weapons, like right. It's not like he was going out strangling people. Well, we can, force. we can point back to the incident at the pill factory, right? When he was confronted there with conflict, and, and he, he froze. just froze. So, so he's only powerful when he has weapons, right? And when you're fighting someone hand to hand combat, that's personal. He doesn't do personal conflict, right? Yeah, he couldn't, he, couldn't kill, <laughs> he couldn't kill the smiling man. <laughs> he couldn't kill a smiling man. And he had dude. to use the darkness to kind of. So he's yeah. bitch made, in, in other words. Yes, he used the darkness and like dark night. The it's movie. not like he's like Michael Myers just running up to people and knocking their teeth out and shit. Oh, y- you know what, too? Okay. I think maybe this will be a good thing to wrap with is uh, in the Dark Knight movie, there's that weird scene where Gordon. Is it the Dark Knight movie or the one before where he points to Sandy Hook on the map? Is. I think the one didn't he shoot up the Joker movie, not the Bane. No, movie. it was the Bane one. Are you sure? Positive. Dark Knight Rises. The Rises, yeah. Rises. So it's the Bane one. Everyone okay. thinks. Everyone kind of remembers it as the Joker one because yeah, uh, the media portrayed him like the Joker. Which also we're going to get into that when we do our conspiracy theory review. We want to talk about how he was portrayed as the Joker, mm. um, and there's some a lot of misleading stuff with that. 
Um, yeah. So that'll be in the article on evilexamined.com as well. Really? Um, I'm surprised that didn't impact them releasing the, the next film with the Joker. Well, you know... I feel like it would. You know why, bro? Because, so, me and Katie started watching the Joker one, right? And then she was like, I don't think it's this one. And then I was like, okay, well, let's let's Google it just to be sure. And it was Dark Knight Rises, right? Um, and what do you call it? So then, so then, you know, we, we checked it specifically. So then we, uh, switched to that one and started watching that one because that, and that movie just feels fucking weird. When you, when you watch it now, that movie feels weird. Rises. Bane is really weird in that movie. Yep. And I'm just telling you, dude, like that movie's always going to be associated with that incident. There's no other movie you could really point to and say, this movie is about this movie. You know what I mean? That movie is not about that movie, dude. Mm-hmm. That movie is about this fucking crime, dude. And it will always be associated with that crime. And I'll always think back to when I watched it in the theater myself and just got chills, you know, like someone was walking over my grave while I was watching it. How long had the movie been out before? Either that was that was opening deal. night. It was opening night. Midnight at opening the night. Premiere. Yeah. The premiere. The oh. premiere. Yep. That's why he wanted the he wanted to have the full house. So. Yeah, I think I guess that's a good note to stop on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless uh, any final thoughts. No. <laughs> I mean, we've really we yeah. we've really uh. If, um, we sweep the every side of the corner. Man, I'm t- t- talking about mental health. You, if you feel like you're feeling some type of way, always, always give that permission for the psychiatrist or anybody to. to if get you in truly want help with yeah. your family, if you truly want help, give right. the person every opportunity to help you. Like if if you're listening to this to podcast more because you relate to James rather than just curious about what's going on, um, you don't have to take that same path that he did. You know. There's ways out of it. There's there's new there's new techniques that that people are coming up with and, and ways to deal with this thing. So Yeah, and your current situation isn't your permanent one. Your current mind state the state isn't your permanent one. Everything can change. You can find purpose, you can find drive for yeah. other things. Uh, we've all had people in our lives that suffer from different mental issues. Um, and there's a certain stigma that comes with those. But I'm, t- you know, remember now that that stigma is being alleviated as we move further and further because, you know, people realize that it's not something that you control. You know, mm-hmm. it's not oh, it's not because you're weak, you know, or so think, you know, we'll leave it on a positive note and, you know, whoever it feels that way, you'll get through it. You know, there's a way to get through it. Absolutely. And Ronnie, we want to thank you again for joining us uh, on the podcast. Fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Rapazine. Yeah, we'll plug your cast again. That's um, The Breakdown, and you can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Just type in T-H-E-B-R-3, the number three, and it'll come right up. That's right, baby. First link. <coughs> All Check right, us guys. Out. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Evil Examined. And check out the Factor Fable coming up. Oh yeah! Dude. Oh wait, we gotta we gotta give the reveal. Oh, that's right. Oh, give the reveal. Shit, okay, shit. go ahead. 
You thought, you thought psych. <laughs> you thought you were getting rid of us. <laughs> oh man, that would have fucking sucked, huh? Wow, we're so fried we're from. So fried, dude, yo. We've gone two and a half hours on this fucking topic because it's so just, detailed and amazing. Just the main entry, oh man. But the donor. So what do we got for what did we get from the polls? So for the 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 last factor fable, which was the donor, uh, we got eighty three percent thought it was fable. Oh. And only 17 uh, thought it was actual fact or had elements of fact. All right. Well, that's that's probably good because it was a complete fable. This was a, a twisted tale derived strictly from my own mind. You sick fuck. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of last week writing this one. And what did you guys think of it? Uh, this one in particular was Bone chilling. I think. It was definitely very bone chilling. It just gave me the most airy feeling. Um, I was driving in the highway when I was listening to it, and uh, so it sounded. It started off a little bit slow at first, you know. It was just, you know, this girl wants to get a baby, but then when it started picking up, when the baby, you know, was born uh, with the drill hole in the mouth, <laughs> and then hearing the breathing. Yeah, it was all kinds of. <laughs> Up. <laughs> it was fucked up, man. Uh, I got knowing what the mother was dealing with. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback that people were very disturbed by the drill scene. All across the board, yeah. people were fucking freaked out by this one. Yeah. Um, everyone that that ha- has heard it and got to me, they're like, dude, this one's... <laughs> <laughs> this one's over the top. This one's... Yo. I have uh, my cousin Kenny. Um, I actually text him because I saw that uh, his... his uh, wife fucking liked the post and she's pregnant she's like she's ready to pop right now oh so she's gonna be having a kid any day so i talked i was like make sure she don't listen to that one <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny when i looked at the stats on uh on our facebook page go ahead and follow us there um it seemed like a lot of women were clicking on that one in particular because i tagged it to like a bunch of like pregnancy things and <laughs> shit and like i tagged it to stupid shit like sperm like, I don't Genius know who, what the fuck this, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, completely fable, uh, a twisted tale. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's pretty extreme. Uh, I will say that this next upcoming tale is also um, definitely interesting. I think we got some good twists in it for you. And, uh, you know, it, it's a different, a little bit of a different approach this week. I wanted to give everybody a little reprieve from uh, the extreme violence and sadisticness, uh, yeah, you know. So, but don't worry, the extreme violence will be back too, uh, just not at the moment. So you'll get a little bit of a break with this one, and you know, you guys, as, as normal, decide if you think it's fact or fable. And shit, I guess we can just wrap up by saying, um, you know, if you listen to our podcast, please check out the website www.evilexamine.com we uh i've been have probably spent like 20 hours on it but there's pretty limited content up there right now i think we got one article um we got the lizzie borden video that we put up but we do have all of our podcasts archived and you can listen through soundcloud there Mm -hmm. so if you don't have uh a phone that plays apps or anything like that you can still go through like a browser 
and play it in the background and text still if you want to while you listen to it. So this is definitely the the, the definitive uh, place to catch all our content. So you want to yeah visit here. Yeah, and because we're going to be putting up articles, you know, you de- again, you want to look for our James Holmes um, follow-up to the conspiracy article. Me and Gene are going to work on that together mm-hmm. and put that out for you. Also, you're going to see even our older episode, Forbidden Fives, are going to be put up. So if you're wondering what some of these people look like. Um, we'll have photos. Stuff like that. Yeah. We're going to try and add some photos, too. Exclusive and stuff there, too. If you see the Rhode Island Psychos one, I also link to these particular psychos so that um, you can you can check out all the documents involved into the case. Um, so we're going to do our best to, to keep adding content. And, um, you know, if you're interested in writing for our site, uh, if, you, if you think you like what Evil Examined is all about um, and you're like-minded, you know, uh, we're obviously a not, not a, we're basically like a nonprofit, you know, like we're just doing this shit cause we love it. And if you think you'd be interested in writing, you can contact us. Yeah. So anything else guys? No, it was fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm I just learned gonna, a lot today. Just going to drink away all these disturbing uh, images <laughs> from tonight. Yeah. Hap- so you guys at home have a drink too. It's the weekend, right? Yeah. And, uh, Check Drink out responsibly. Since you already listened to this, check out more than a feeling. Our next factor fable. Okay. See you guys later. Peace. Good night. Yeah, whatever your name.